0: face it's the state of combat podcast on cbs sports with the brian campbell back jacked underwritten and supported by that performance enhancing audio of course it is pro wrestling time folks i may have dropped a little randy savage on you for a second
1: nothing face to face nothing face to face
0: we're actually will be face to face with you today not only in the audio form Giving you the pro wrestling edition, previewing WWE's Extreme Rules card this Sunday, and wrapping up a a pretty busy week across all promotions. But the second half of this show, as your bonus fans, you can also catch it in video form on YouTube. Getting all kinds of in-depth on that extremity on Sunday, not in the ECW arena, but you get my point. Indeed, uh, your boy BC back from Vegas. Little washed, little jet lagged, little uh, little, wa-
2: <laughs> little washed, little uh.
0: Lot of, well, I don't know who that voice was. I, I sorry. Uh, let's continue the intro here. Um, yeah, that's it. You know, that's all I got for you. Hope you enjoyed our UFC 239 coverage. Hope you're doing well out there. Yes. Let's bring in the Silver King. How about that? Let's do it. Say hello to the bad guy. He's a new homeowner, folks. He's all grown up. He's the Silver King. His birth name is Adam Silverstein. Hey, now,
2: for like you're basically like 48 years old at this point, just away from home for a week, and you're saying... A little washed. Well, you got
0: to understand something here, Silver King. Las Vegas sucks. The food is so bad. It's so overpriced. And unless you are buying the next level stuff, the the $125 Kobe steak. No, no, not NJPW day one. We'll talk about that later. Unless you are actually buying the damn meat that, that you're looking to put in your mouth, if you will. I think you have. Let me tell you. Let me
2: tell you a piece of meat that I enjoyed. <laughs> so you keep playing uh, that uh, when you uh, refuse uh, to play yours, and I know you have the clip of it too. You should I be got, playing. I got some. Weird and, and I'm curious. Did you cut last
0: week's sausage clip? That, that's what I no, need Oh, No, I did. I'm behind on life. Of course you did. You know? Are you kidding me? Not. Stick it right in me, right? Well, 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 hold on, hold on. Let me, let me. Let that let better
2: let get let added to the. board. It's right? on the
0: board, uh, Silver King <laughs> of Christmas Past. Oh, uh, my point here, Silver King, is Vegas food just hurts, man. Yeah, but you supplement it
2: with New York food. I mean, you got to go to the city for a day or two. And, I mean, I know I was there for two weeks, Spend one week with you. We did not starve. You know, we ate really well when we were out in New York. And I know you do. I, I see your expense reports. I approve them. I, I, I see you eat well every time you go to the city.
0: Sometimes. Sometimes I do well. I like, I, I like more uh, street food options. L.A. L.A. is the place for me, man. The, the street food is just – it's like gourmet level and it's some – like old Mexican lady on the side of the road with a little grill in front of her out of like the back of her cargo child molester van. It's like it's perfect, you know, because you can feed a family of four for like five dollars. Vegas, they won't even let you in the door for that much. All right. <laughs>
2: Well, they do have those, like, don't they have those all-you-can-eat buffets and stuff?
0: Yeah, for like $48, but yeah. Oh, they're okay. I didn't know yeah. they're,
2: well, you have to play a little bit, and you, you know, you lose, and then you get to go play, uh, do that. Well, I played I was enough actually... on
0: the on the parlays of the uh, fights. I lost plenty. Thank you very much.
2: Hey, Silver King, eight straight combat sports main event victories, betting the rounds. I am on a massive, massive roll, both MMA and boxing. Listen, I, I enjoy MMA. I'm, I'm learning it. Brian is teaching me. Brandon is teaching me. But combining MMA and boxing, eight straight main event winners for the Silver King.
0: You got to wow. love that. Wow, folks. Follow him online at Silverstein Adam for more yes. hot betting tips. Wow. As long
2: as it lasts. It may not last long. Yeah. But Pacquiao, look, we'll see what happens with Pacquiao. I'm Thurman fired there. up
0: for that fight, Next by week. the way. How the hell is Manny still doing this? I'm sure we'll have a boxing podcast to break all that down. Don't forget, folks, what it's all about this week. It's all all you people out there freeloading, listening for free. Hey, that's fine. The audio is free. There is a price to pay, though, for sticking this in your ear. And that's heading on over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Five Star Review, uh, where, I don't know, where, whatever, Everywhere. wherever, wherever else you can find us, find us. All right. Find us and put your stamp on it. Speaking of ear holes, Adam, um. You know when you're in like a uh like a luxury hotel and instead of the regular Q-tips they give you those little like matchsticks with the thing on the end it's like a it's like an elite Q-tip. Yes. Those can be good. And look, I'm a Q-tip Q-tip-aholic. I clean my ears once or twice a day, which is horrifically bad so for you.
2: So y- so you don't buy into and I don't either, but you don't buy into the people that say you're not supposed to use Q tips in your ears.
0: Those people are doctors and people that put warning labels on Q tip packages. And I do buy into it because in my younger days I have shut off hearing in certain sure. ears for like days at a time because I've gone too deep. So I had that matchstick thing over the weekend. Yeah. I'm like, oh great, I'm gonna get a nice cleaning going here. Get a nice little inter hole itch if you if you want to go there with me. And I hurt myself really bad. <laughs> and it like I did it didn't shut down hearing. I've been through that before, but it hurt like a bee. The next morning, I've got a puddle of blood coming out of my ear hole on the white pillow. What the hell did I do to myself? I felt like a savage, not Randy, but I felt pretty. Uh, yeah, gross. All what's, right. what's wrong? What's wrong
2: with you in boutique hotel bathrooms? I mean, you're slicing oh, your head wow. open WrestleMania week. It's, it's true. You're, you're bleeding out of your ear. I mean, God, man. That be is, careful. That is very interesting. That you're the is ta- you're, you have to remember you're the talent on this show. Yeah, so I Silver need to King. The Silver face. King's here to support. But if you if you get injured, I mean, I may need to step up into a major role. If I, I mean, if, if I that. get
0: shot, uh, Lyndon Johnson over here is going to take over this program. It's going to be <laughs> fan friggin' tastic. Uh, all right. And uh, speaking right. of that, and
1: uh... and speaking of nailing Katie, <laughs> no,
0: no one's speaking of that. Uh, we got a show. You want to get into the show? What do you want to do here? Uh we do, and we should start the
2: way we do start on State of Combat with the main event. This is the main event! And we're going to talk about a lot this week. We have WWE. We're talking NXT. I know you guys want that. I get your tweets all the time. We're talking NJPW and AEW, all before we preview WWE Extreme Rules. But Brian, we really have to start with WWE TV this week. And, you know, two weeks ago we were swearing off of it completely. Then Paul Heyman joins Raw, gets us amped up again. And we almost reverted back an entire calendar year this week where Monday Night Raw was extremely disappointing and SmackDown on Tuesday was extremely good. And it made you say, oh my God, is this the SmackDown of old again? But I want to start with Raw. They had as much goodwill and momentum as WWE has garnered, you know, in a year or so, maybe even longer, from last week's Raw into this week's Raw. And correct me if I'm wrong, they squandered all of it.
0: No, they didn't. They didn't. I don't know why I am uber optimistic this week. Actually, I do know why. But... I'm I'm going to stay in the pocket of optimism and powers of positivity because I don't want to be defined either way, Adam. I don't want to be defined as a cynic at wrestling, and I don't want to be defined as overly optimistic because I do think there are way too many overly optimistic guys who have just been fans for 30 years, and they're like, I don't care. Whatever Vince does, I'm fine with it, and that's certainly not me. Was Monday night a step back from the week before? One million percent. I got my buddy Josh giving me texts up the kazoo telling me how much I don't get it. And and we had one episode of Paul Heyman and then Vince couldn't handle it. And Vince jumps in and puts his Vince paws all over it. To certain degrees, that actually probably is true. And it did taste like Vince in the wrong spots on Monday. But I'm going to sit here in regards to Raw and actually keep the rose-colored glasses on and tell you... I didn't hate this week. Step back, yes. Hatred, no. Are there certain things they did on Monday wrong, Adam, that in previous weeks your boy BC would be going nuts and being like, see, I told you so. They don't care about us. Why do I waste my time with this crap? Yes. But something has changed. Even with Monday taking a step back, the flavor of the broadcast has changed. I'm tasting Heyman. I'm tasting freshness in there. <laughs> I'm the, the dialogue's different. The presentation's different. And it's different enough that I'm actually willing to give them a mulligan or two in certain areas because I get what's happening right now, Adam. As long as Vince's heart is still beating, his paws aren't coming off of it. So what is actually happening right now is they're figuring it out. They're figuring out what the future is going to look like the rest of this year. They're figuring out what the flavor is going to be. Week one was heavy, Heyman, and it was great. Week two, little too much Vince. But I'm saying there was enough new in there where even though I was uber annoyed at the lameness of the rules in that opening match on Raw, which you blew up on Twitter. I to, and I, I have to talk about and it. And I'm yeah. fine with that. I actually was able to suspend that and really enjoyed the match and was entertained. And I know there's people probably listening to this going, BC, you're a fraud, bro. A month ago, I told you to calm down in your DMs and just enjoy it. And you told me it's impossible. Yeah, because a month ago, they weren't trying. And right now, they're trying. And right now, I see light at the end of the tunnel. And that light is the fact that when they move to Fox for SmackDown in October, at the same time that AEW launches... It's going to be different because it has to be different. So the fact that they're trying now to get out ahead of that and they're tinkering with the formula. OK, step back. Yep. I, I acknowledge it. But I actually enjoyed a lot of it. I didn't watch it live. And instead of fast forwarding through the crap out of it, like like I expected myself to. I actually almost sat there for three full hours and watched it all in real time. Kind of liked it. What happened to me?
2: I mean, I'm not going to say the show as a whole was terrible. That's not the right word. But it was more than a step back when you consider last week we were juiced for three full hours watching Raw. There was never a moment last week where I said, Oh, what time is it? How much more of this crap is left? But this week they gave us what I can only call great for a mixed tag team match, a great mixed tag team match. With three of the four best workers in the company, Seth Rollins, Andrade, and Becky Lynch, and then Zelina Vega, who's totally acceptable, no issues there whatsoever. But Brian, they I don't know what dunce, what moron, what idiot came up with a mixed tag team elimination match in WWE where there is no intergender wrestling allowed, so the women can't fight the men. They have to be eliminated. The rules took me completely out of the enjoyment of the match. It, it – like, I'm struggling to find the words right now. Becky eliminates Zelina Vega. Zelina then jumps off the apron. Becky remains on the apron. Yeah, that, that was pretty She late. can't get tagged in. What would have happened if Andrade pinned Seth? Then it's 1-1. Do you not have a winner? Is the match a draw? The entire thing – was ridiculous the the the, the storyline and the and the rules behind it especially when you consider one week ago they had a mixed tag team match with Mike and Maria Canellis and the ending of the match was Becky Lynch tapping out Mike in a submission so there's zero consistency i understand what they're doing with Seth and Becky it feels like they're ramming it down my throat they came out with a new shirt Called the man's man at Seth Rollins now, maybe has to wear at some point, which I hate using this word despite it being popular in 2019, but is as cringy as you get. And I don't understand the necessity to throw this storyline down our throats where they're simultaneously ignoring Andrade and Charlotte's real life relationship. Now, maybe they're choosing not to put that on air, but they were together at the Hall of Fame ceremony. So there's just so much disconnecting from that. And then my biggest issue, Brian, is despite all of my storyline and, and, and match rule problems with that, it was still a hot ass segment. It was but great. they use that but they use that to open and they give us the Roman Reigns, Gary, Gerber, Shane McMahon garbage to end the show.
0: Actually, and I didn't hate that. And like, I'm left and I'm left sitting there I like Who's booking this shit? I should have hated that. And I didn't. Like, you knew it, something was going to happen crazy when he limped out, when he was extra limping out in the mask. So you're like, okay, something's going to happen here. I'll pop for it. Now, in reality, is that a suitable go-home main event? A- absolutely not. Did they blow it out of the water the next night on SmackDown? Yes. Were there problems with Monday? Yes. But you know what? That opening segment with the mixed, despite the horrible rules, it actually furthered the storyline, like, the right way. Like, you would want to do want to go-home. And – there's going to be a mixed tag match that I, that originally we're not excited about. And it's lame that, by the way, the babyfaces would accept this match. It's lame that we have to see Corbin again in this. But yet I thought Corbin and Lacey were actually great this week. And that opening segment got kind of got me jacked to move the storyline along. And I know you're talking about ramming things down your own throat and saying you don't like it, and I can respect that. But we're going to stuff it down your throat so hard that you're going to enjoy this. You're going to feel it. Adam- All right, that was just weird. Um... <laughs> I, I, again, like not to, I'm not going to rehash my point, but I was able to forgive, and I enjoyed it. Maybe I was just beaten down from long travel, but I enjoyed myself Monday as a wrestling fan, and then for them to come back on Tuesday and kind of put the train back on the tracks. We don't know how much Bischoff was involved yet. We're led to believe that he's coming next week, but something's changing. It felt like they took a little bit of the, the Road Dogg SmackDown formula and mixed it with where we're headed new. And I, I love Tuesday, and I got enough Heyman on Monday that I'm with you. And you used the word cringe before, cringeworthy, and you said you didn't want to use it. Um, Can we talk about that Ronda Rousey, Travis Brown video? I liked it. Oh, my God. So I thought became. it
2: was sweet. I thought it Good was her so, showing oh she misses
0: wrestling. Look. Dude, dude, no, look, dude. Listen. Oh, hold on. I have a button to press.
2: That is one of the worst things that you've ever said on this podcast. Let yeah. me
0: let me explain. Let me explain. No, dude, that, two, that's, two, that's two, wait, not just cringe. That's a banana hammock of cringe. That's Brian, just bad,
2: there, bro. Let me separate, let me separate this. Her relationship with Travis Brown, and we are not here to criticize anyone's oh, relationship. Oh, I'm here to criticize theirs when you but gave me the, that, the mic. That is always weird to me. It's just, it's a strange relationship that I don't understand. If you put that aside, the video itself, I it was Entertained. I was sports entertained. Oh Yvonne showing up at the end was funny. I thought it was cool, and she was playing with that Hulk Hogan doll. I had that as a kid, that exact oh doll. God, that I, kind I of resonated with me as here. well. I liked it, man.
0: Silver King. It was here. It was like really 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 bad poor man's mad tv wannabe saturday night live level type of stuff and you know she's doing it thinking she's good at it and it's just no, she's cringe, having fun at home and stupid bored. and then on july 4th her and travis put out a live instagram video i happened to be on instagram at that moment and i clicked on I didn't it and see this and it's yeah. two of them drunk cooking fourth of july smacking each other is behind talking about how each other's ass is so great it was like way too much of an inside look at who they are, <laughs> and it was like a little trashy, and it was just like, oh man! Well, like, like I said, but if you, you know what? I came, I separate... came away saying stay away. I came away saying Rhonda, like you had an amazing one year. It was amazing. No. You were an instant success. You were a natural. Um, Stay away, because that video of you jumping out of the shower and landing elbows on the – like, it's just cringe acting. It's really bad, Adam. Thank you. No, That's I, nice I, so,
2: no, it was not good acting. Of course not. And, again, like I said, the relationship is strange. But I, I, I thought it came from – I thought the video came from a real place for her. And it was sweet. It was like, hey, I missed this. I had a lot of fun doing it. And we forget she was damn good at it for first year. You may not love her promos. You may have thought X or Y was not as good as it should have been and that's all legitimate criticism. But Brian man, oh, no, the dude. women don't main event WrestleMania without her. Okay, yeah, that's she, great. I'm not talking She had I'm- the be- she had the best first year since Kurt Angle. These I'm things are true. I'm not ripping her legacy.
0: I'm not ripping what she accomplished. I'm ripping the cringe as hell video no. she put on the internet.
2: All right. I'm, I'm, I completely disagree. I'll, you guys tweet us. Let us know who you agree with on
0: that. Oh, please. Uh, no, 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 but, please. Please tweet us. Please. I guarantee 80-20. I know I'm sure there's a few weirdos out there, but I guarantee 80-20. No,
2: no I, from the people I've spoken to, most of the reaction was positive. I'll be curious to see it, though. Before we move off of the the start of this, though, do you at least agree with me? I know you may not have fully agreed on the opening segment. And by the way, I do side with you. The lacey evans and baron corbin insertion there was very good and lacey really laid in that women's right it looked awesome
0: i've never heard you say that word before hopefully never Um, again
2: (laughs) the insertion uh but do you at least agree with me that on raw and raw is really where it appears to be mandated the rules to get around having action during commercial breaks are truly terrible like it's it's definitely taking me out of the show and it's so overly noticeable that when they don't put a weird rule in a match, you know it's going to be a quick one. And when they do, half the time they do, it's nonsensical. If you have, if you want to have a two out of three falls on a rare occasion or once a show, that's fine. But when you have elimination matches, restarts, two out of three falls, all this stuff, it is really, really too much.
0: Uh, I don't agree that it's taking me out of it. It's actually not affecting me at all. I'm fine with it. I think it's lame that... It's just like, okay, to fix this problem we think we have, we're going to do best of three false matches like multiple times every week. That's lame. It's a crutch to lean on. I I, I did get a a couple of different DMs from people who were actually in the crowd at Raw this week and were like, you don't understand how bad it was to have these long gaps. Well, I've been to a lot of Raw's guys. There's long gaps all the time. But this now means that there's always a gap. Well, there's actually always a gap because you know what they used to do on Raw was do the intro, have the people come out. And then right before the match starts, head to commercial. And they would do that a lot. And then to make it even worse, they'd come back from commercial and do a backstage segment. And guess what? The whole time, the first wrestler is still standing there in the darkened ring. So no matter how you cut it, it's lame in the end. And it's necessary to have a four-minute gap for selling ads. So if you're in the arena, unless you're going to let the match play through live like they do on SmackDown, it's pretty lame. Um but again, as a viewer at home, not really that. It's not really affecting well, me that
2: much. Here, here, here's I said this last week, I believe, or maybe the week before. They went from zero to 60. They went from taking a break during every single match and now never taking a break during a match. Why don't you go directly in the middle? Have one, two out of three falls yes. or elimination match or match restart. Have another one that goes to break during the commercial. Do some rest holds. It's okay. People aren't going to lose their minds. And then have a couple short matches. And try to book – your segments so that if you do have a long match, it takes up an entire segment and you're not doing three backstage segments then starting a match, then going to commercial. This can be booked way better if you need to have that. And more important than anything, BC, SmackDown, the play and match where you can watch you know, watch during the commercial. It, you're the same network right now. Institute that on Raw as well. I don't know why they're not doing it. Um, I, And one more thing on, on the reins. Didn't you think it was going to be Montez Ford behind the mask? Like They were talking to a tall skinny man backstage, you had Montez Ford on the show the entire time, and then they come out with a short, uh, more stocky man, even though Alexander's obviously in amazing shape, it was totally, completely a different person. Whereas if Montez Ford had been in that getup, you can at least say, oh, it's kind of a similar-shaped guy.
0: No, I didn't think that at all. Um, I actually thought it was Kofi, and that, that doesn't make sense because his hair is very large, but uh, right. I did think it was Kofi the whole time, and I and I... I don't know how I would have acted if it was him in the end. I figured that's that was storyline-wise. Taker's not there. That's probably the best way it would make sense, have Kofi, the other giant babyface at the moment, help out Roman and screw over the bad guys. But the use of Cedric, like I get people didn't love it. I love that he was used and that he was used great. And by the way, he took a stiff-ass kick to the face and was bleeding from it. So I didn't hate all that. And you mentioned the Street Profits. So it was probably time for me to mention it now that that's a big part. Of why I love the crap out of Raw.
2: But they're not doing anything.
0: They're doing everything for they're what I liter- want. Right they're, now.
2: they're promoting the pay per view. That's
0: <clears throat> all they're doing. They are doing <sighs> such next level stuff on the mic to me it, when in reality they're given not much, which is you're right. They're given go do, yet they're hitting those moments so far out of the park and taking the cool factor of their characters and just like times 10 them in my eyes. And they're nailing it that if for now while they still have business to do in NXT still have to eventually lose their titles before being called up they're almost in like this uh what are those two old white guys in uh, the muppets that sit up in the theater oh they're, yeah i don't know their names waldorf sure. and stadler or whatever they're almost in that kind of role where it's like let's throw the camera over to these hilarious guys who are just going to kind of like do impressions throw to a tease about the pay-per-view and like it it's they're doing so much with so little adam they shouldn't be up right now. Yet because Heyman's involved, they're there and they're actually being put in a prominent role and it's great. I love it. There's not been a moment that they've been on the screen that I thought they've that, that I thought the quality's gone down. Like I think across the board I am so entertained and I'm laughing and I'm enjoying it.
2: Oh, don't get me wrong, I agree they're doing a great job. It's just all they're doing is previewing the upcoming pay-per-views and occasionally mentioning other storylines that don't involve them. On the show, I would have rathered they introduced them with just like they did on NXT with the Street Profits Snapchat videos where it's them outside the arena, maybe with fans doing stuff, and they're doing the same type of content. They're still previewing stuff, talking about we can't wait to start on Raw. We're gonna revolutionize this and X, Y, and Z. But th- you just have them backstage talking into the camera, talking about we want that smoke. And look, I want that smoke. I'm with them, man. I want, I want to see them in the ring. I've already mentioned previously I think they should be on SmackDown because they need
0: tag teams. That's another there's totally no, different story. No, but there's no more thing anymore of who's on Raw or SmackDown. There's but but, no, but, but they're no not
2: introducing – what WWE is failing to do and they're actually – even though you don't like it, they're succeeding to do it with Aleister Black. Oh, God, um, no. But, oh, but they, God, they no. bring people up and they don't introduce them. One of the things I liked so much well, about that AEW This Fighter does Fest, introduce them though. This
0: is the equivalent of of having They're not vignettes. saying what they're
2: about, what their motivations are, why they're there. Yeah, but we're they're... learning.
0: We're, we're getting to know them more each week. Let's say we had never heard of them before. We didn't watch NXT. Sure. They're entertaining, and we're getting to know a little bit more about them each week. And it's the, it's no different than in the 80s showing Kamala in the jungle screaming for three weeks in a row. It's, like, it's just a different way to do it.
2: I guess, but I, I kind of want a little bit more about their background. They're NXT champions. Talk about having the titles. I want to know more about them and less using them as a device to attract the younger audience and promote your upcoming pay-per-view. Tell me also, you can do that, that's okay, but tell me also why why you're there and what your purpose is, because right now they're not, and maybe that changes after Extreme Rules, and they just wanted to force them on TV, but we saw what happened previously when WWE forces NXT talent on TV just to put them there and then kind of forgets about them. To, To their credit, they have actually surprisingly Done a pretty good job, not counting EC3. Uh, with this group of NXT call-ups, they're doing something with Alistair Black. Ricochet's the U.S. champion. Um, you know, Heavy Machinery was in a title match. They're in another one. They pushed Nikki Lars Cross. hard, even though Lars
0: blew it. They pushed him pretty hard, and they they, they tried. tried. They yeah. they tried
2: and failed with Lars, where they should have just fired him. Uh, and Nikki Cross is in now a title match with Alexa Bliss and Bailey, two of the most over women on the roster. So credit to them for actually doing a good job. Again, minus EC3. Um, But it just makes me a little bit worried for the street profits where one of the things that makes them so great is not just their personalities. Montez is Montez Ford's athleticism. And we aren't even seeing that. We're not even seeing highlight clips of them because
0: it's too early. So I'd rather get this too early stuff and learn who they are and get to know them like they're going to have. Weeks upon months upon years of wrestling on Raw until we're sick of watching them. They still have to finish on NXT. I don't like when guys do both. I don't like when you're the War Raider, the War Warriors, or whatever you want to call yourselves on. Like that was a horrible call up at the wrong time. They still have they're business still, to they finish. They just did it. These guys are champions too, though. I mean, I know. Like it's the only way to do it right is like a KO type situation. That was done right. Right. The, right. The War guys were rushed. And I, look, this at least they're not wrestling. At least they're still the NXT champions, and you can go watch them on NXT, which kind of means they're almost like a commercial for both.
2: Yeah, but that's why I would have liked Ford to be the Gary guy, because then he's still able to do all those athletic moves. You're like, who the hell is this guy? This is a new guy. Pulls off his mask. You're like, Oh my God, that's the guy that's in all the backstage promos. And Roman's putting that him over worked. in the ring. That I love Cedric. Nothing against Cedric. But that segment was weird when you have the guy in the mask and then that team loses. Usually they go over. It was... Very, very odd. The only other thing I want to talk about from Raw BC, we'll move on to SmackDown in a second. Um, Bobby Lashley squashed Rey Mysterio, who came back after six weeks. People were up in arms about it. honestly. I loved it. I yeah. thought, like, they're putting Bobby Lashley over. This is great.
0: I loved it, and I didn't even have a problem with uh, a lot of the tweets I saw because I was watching on a delay about and even DMs from our listeners of, like, oh, come on, Bobby Lashley's almost killed the week before, and now he's coming back like nothing happened. Well, it's like, well, we did get videos with him from the hospital room, and the announcers did sort of be like, oh, my God, this guy's a freak. He's back already. And, yeah, I actually liked it a lot because when – When Mysterio came out to do the open challenge and to get the mic and he's back so quick from injury after having to give up the title, I was sort of like, oh, all right. Like, this is kind of lame. So then to have Lashley run through him, it said something. And it was sort of the perfect big man, little man way to get Lashley back over and set him up for bigger things. So, yeah, these are these little nuances that I'm saying on Monday that I just they didn't offend. I'm so Adam, I'm so used to being offended. I'm so used to being let down that now that I'm kind of consistently getting things that encourage me. Yeah, I'm willing to let their mistake, other mistakes sort of pass for now.
2: I'll agree with that. Outside of the rules from the first match, the mixed tag elimination match which were
0: patently offensive.
2: They were they were offending our intelligence. They were literally insulting the intelligence intelligence of their audience. With those match rules. Well,
0: but well, of no, that, one thing on that. Had the, You said, what would happen if, if they tied? What happened if yeah. Andrade won? I was willing to give them the chance of, what does that mean? Do we do a playoff? Like, what does that <laughs> but, mean? You know,
2: but why don't we know? You're supposed to know the rules going into the match. Rules matter, man. We're talking about AEW wanting wins and losses to matter. The only way wins and losses matter are if rules matter. And there were basically, it was just like, hey, we're putting this out there so we can do a two-segment match. With a commercial break in between. And it was it was terrible. But... But outside of that, I agree with you. I was not offended by the rest of the show. But when you put Roman Reigns and, and Cedric Alexander masked in a main event and you rush the finish because you're running out of time, you didn't pace the show right, it just left me with a really bad taste in my mouth from Raw that left me concerned for SmackDown. But then all of a sudden we get to SmackDown and we have the cold open with, with uh, Kevin Owens and Dolph Ziggler and then Brian. I mean people are calling it pipe bomb. It didn't reach that level to me but a pipe bomb esque promo from Kevin Owens crapping all over Shane McMahon.
0: It was insanely great. It was great. It was the best thing that happened in wrestling over the past week, and that's even up against some stake-level NJPW matches that we'll get to in the G1 opening. The presentation of KO, it was like half Steve Austin, half uh, CM Punk, and it sort of made up for the fact that he had been bounced around recently from heel the face, back to heel. Now what is he now, a tweener? It works as a tweener. Do you know what else this sort of like took in terms of bad taste? Like Shane was on Raw too much on Monday. So then to see Shane have a monster role on Tuesday, you're like, ah, oh, man. But then you hear the meat of Kevin Owens' speech of his, you know, poor man's pipe bomb. And it's just brilliant. He referenced the thing we're all thinking. Hey, McMahon, you came out just six months ago and said everything's going to change and you're going to serve the fans, and you haven't. And on top of that, you're pushing Shane insanely hard. And on top of that, Buddy Murphy's not getting any time right now, (laughs) among others. And look, you know what I thought about when I thought of Buddy Murphy. From the moment we saw him, we thought, sex. Thank you, Sasha. Sasha did not like that. Did not like the two bears in my front yard today either. But uh, it's just like when, when you put that kind of writing in, that like throws shade at themselves and says what we're thinking, you know we're going to get hooked. KO brought it on the microphone. The fact that he was bleeding a bit from the, the parking lot brawl made it even better. Shane perfect in shutting him down a few times. Yes, predictable that KO was going to come back in the main event, yet it happened so sort of perfectly that you know what it did, Adam? It made me now... Not angry, the fact that Roman Reigns has been in this feud with two or three people that's going nowhere over and over every week. Now I feel like it's going to end. I feel like Roman's going to be allowed to leave in a KO Shane money feud, even though it's going back to the well, uh, to the idea of, like, renegade babyface against the authority, which has been played out times a million. We want KO in a role like this so badly, and Shane has been so good despite too much TV time lately lately. That it's going to work. And it made me not care that Reigns was in that spot. And I also kind of popped when Reigns got the win in like a baby way. It's what that entire angle needed.
2: The fans popped for Reigns too. The entire crowd, it was even before Owen showed up, they were popping for Reigns when he did the dive over the top rope. And then they popped again when he hit the spear and won the match. And you look at the reaction that they gave him on Tuesday. And then look at the reaction they gave him on Monday at the end of the show. And it just goes to show you that it's always been WWE's booking, not Roman Reigns, that has stuck the foot in the mouth and prevented fans from truly allowing him to get naturally over. I thought the 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 bat pipe bomb promo, if you want to call it that, just for lack of a better term, was fantastic. And the segment backstage with Dolph Ziggler was great, too, in the parking lot. The only thing I'm going to say, in recent history, Brian, like the last few months, We have heard an almost identical promo, not nearly as well done, from The Miz, who was fueled by anger, not so much, you know, um, Owens, who has just lost his mind. And we heard it from Roman Reigns, I believe, in the segment where Vince McMahon came to the ring and they added them all in there. And then maybe Finn Balor got the number one contender match. I I forget exactly. But we've already heard that same promo and the same storyline Twice. True. And to be fair, nothing has changed. And right. the only other thing I'm going to say, we just saw a year ago the Kevin Owens-Shane McMahon feud with the, that ended in a Hell in a Cell match with Sami Zayn saving Kevin Owens and, and so on and turning heel. So- These are all great points. Doesn't this
0: all feel very repetitive despite it being great? It does. But I think it's almost as if when the Heyman and Bischoff announcement happened, it's almost like that was the end of a creative season and this is the start of a new one. Even more profound than WrestleMania in theory is supposed to end WWE's creative season, but it doesn't always. That's why we have Payback and never. Saudi. But I'm like, to your point of what well, we kind of just saw this recently, I'm almost willing to say the last six, nine months were so bad that I don't care. Like it's It's as if it never happened and this is a new show today that they're trying to figure out. I'm actually willing to go there for them. And the most damning thing you said was, though, the fact that we did see a KO Shane feud and it was like, okay in the past. But it wasn't fueled with this type of uh, switcheroo with, you know, KO as a tweener, Shane as an obvious heel now and this type of way. Uh, It's got potential. So let's uh, I got rose colored everything because I feel like it has to change. Adam, the Monday Raw we just saw this week can't be what Raw looks like in October. Won't be. I don't think it will be. I think everything's changing and now we gotta just be patient.
2: Um, I'm okay with that. And I I want to clarify just in case people misunderstand, because sometimes you do. I loved it. <laughs> like I loved every minute of it. I popped. I'm just trying to say, like, it felt there were when I looked back on it preparing for the show, I was like, wait, we heard this promo before. I think the difference can be if they stick to it. Because Miz did that one promo, then basically lost to Shane. Reigns did it and then they dropped it. If they continue this storyline and have Owens actually take Shane McMahon off TV by beating him at SummerSlam, then I think we ha- there's something to this. But as it stands right now, it's – I'm in a – I loved it. It was great. But I'm in a wait and see, you know, situation. Something else that happened Tuesday, Brian, Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura both had their first match on TV for Nakamura in like four months uh, for Balor, you know, in probably a month and a half or so. And I got to be honest, they said first time ever. I candidly assume they fought in NJPW, but I don't know that to be true. Uh, But whatever, first time ever in WWE, I want to see so much more of this that I thought they did a great job giving us an appetizer and letting Shinsuke win. We always talk that we hate when challengers beat the champion to earn a title match. They already beat them. You know what I mean? But I thought this one was perfect.
0: It was, everything about this was perfect. The same way that reuniting AJ with the club and turning him heel the week before led you to believe that maybe that's a little bit of Bischoff fingerprints on the way that we're handling this now. And maybe it's a just shut up and give the fans what they want, what they've wanted for all along. This, give us what we want. This give was, us what we want. Yeah, this was a full extension of that. It was sort of like, yeah, give me Finn Shinsuke right now. But not with the Vince crap. Let Shinsuke come out there. He's a heel, then be a heel. And he was a heel. There was a lot of stomping going on. And him doing that in that, that fake Elvis suit is actually badass. And I love it. And this isn't a match that's rushed for Sunday's pay-per-view card. This is them sort of slowing it and saying, hey, this could be a tease of an IC title feud coming your way. Now look, do I like when the champ loses clean? No, I never do. Unless you have a storyline reason, but... I'll suspend that if this feud looks like that. I mean, look, I can't help but get fired up at him about what the future is going to be like with Bischoff there. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. He failed in TNA. He's not following the product today. But I think there's a des- potential desperation in the fact that, you know, reading Meltzer's writing about Eric's personal life, the the, the recent uh, bankruptcy with his production company falling apart, this is like a last chance that he almost doesn't deserve like type of thing. Like, they're putting the – the ball in his hands and saying, Go for it, save us. I'm really excited about the things that he does really well historically as a booker, implementing that into the WWE system with the people that are already there running it. I mean, he's great at the idea of taking heels and propping them up to feel badass, like the NWO. So, you know, Jack and letting Crosby. Them win. And I...
2: Letting them win on occasion.
0: Exactly. And Jack Crosby yeah. and I were talking offline, like, could you imagine what he could do with the Undisputed Era and Adam Cole one day on the main roster and have, like, a NWO 2.0? Like, I'm fired up. It This may actually be the era of you get what you want if Vince is actually going to listen to these guys. Adam, this guy, what a time! Like, damn! It's not, even,
2: it's not even get what we want. It's, I just, all I want is good TV. I want good scripts. I want Game of Thrones season 1 through 6, not season 7 and 8. It's not that difficult For to give us continuity, storylines that matter, and build up characters. I'm not, I'm not, and I don't say it's not difficult, like that I could do it, but I could. I could do it for a month. I couldn't probably do it for 12, but I'm also not paid. I'm not experienced in TV writing, you know? And that's what we want from all of this. We just want to have guys that are talented, that deserve, not deserve based on people like them and they deserve a title and you deserve a chance, but deserve it based on. Having the wrestling talent and ability to entertain us, and us wanting to see those people, heels, faces, doesn't matter, on the screen more, and less people like Lacey Evans, who is super green, or Baron Corbin for nine months. If you want to give us Baron Gor- Corbin for two months, okay, it probably would have worked, but they're extending it way too long. I almost felt refreshed as as angry as I was that Nakamura wasn't being used, especially. After that really good WWE title match he had with Kofi, by the way. But Nakamura not being used. Finn Balor not being used. I was kind of incensed about it. But them coming back, it was like, man, I missed these guys. really good to have them. And I'm really excited for a potential feud at SummerSlam. So to me, it worked in every possible way. Before we move on to the last thing I wanted to mention, Brian, for SmackDown, I did want to bring back Kevin Owens real quick because I forgot to bring this up. Hero or Zero? The stunner being his new
0: finisher. I don't know if it's actually his new finisher. We're gonna have to see that in his in re- big matches. Really in big matches on pay per views, if he's sort of done with the pop up power bomb, but I'm okay with it. It's a badass finishing move. He obviously has uh, Steve Austin support. It's not like Austin's the first one to ever do a re- reverse neckbreaker, anyway. But I get no, but he does it with the kick. I, I get mean... when you're doing the kick, you're setting it up. Look, if they want to start pushing KO in this badass poor man Steve Austin direction, I'm here for it. Do you know what we used to say when he first arrived on the main roster KO and was nasty and awesome and great and had a mix of that psycho killer look with the, with the understanding of how to do it in a Vince system? We were like, man, one day his babyface potential will be through the damn roof. And even though he's had cups of coffee with babyface and the New Day thing was fun with the big O, um, Austin level baby face? Like, I don't even care, Adam, if it's completely poor man's. And when I say poor man's, I basically mean second rate stealing from. I think he can even make that work. You know, I'm sure he'll he'll add his own dimensions to it, but yeah, hero. I'm fine with that. That's great. Yeah, I mean,
2: I I don't think he's trying to so much be Steve Austin as just an edgy face and Austin was just the perfect one. So everyone, even Becky, we compare to Steve Austin because that's the one. That's what we want. We want someone. To fill those shoes in both a male and a female role. I don't mind the stunner. But I almost wish the stunner. Like you know how sometimes Austin would do the stunner. And the person would like pop back up into a standing. And he would do it again. I wish to use the stunner as a signature move. And then the guy's wobbly throws him into the ropes. Pop-up powerbomb. Because the pop-up powerbomb is unique to him. And it's freaking awesome. No one really does just a powerbomb anymore. Whereas this, it's almost like every time I see it. It's like, oh, he's doing Austin Stunner, and I want it to be Kevin Owens' finisher. You know what I mean? So I'm okay with it being used, but it's just like with Dolph Ziggler and the zigzag. It's like the zigzag was great. Now it's the super kick. That's so generic. He uses the zigzag as a setup move. So I always have an issue when they do something like that. Maybe it's just me nitpicking. Last thing here before we move on. Uh, I know you don't love the Alistair Black promos. I really do like them. But I thought they also hit a home run this week with the split screen and announcing his opponent for Extreme Rules, Cesaro. Was that a big enough reveal for you?
0: Yes or no? Uh, absolutely not. And I've already fought our, our boy Jack Crosby over this. And and look, here's his response, and I'm sure response of a lot of people. BC, you don't want an Aleister Black-Cesaro match on a pay-per-view? Are you kidding me? Um, Yeah, sure, I'd love it under different circumstances. But this circumstance was supposed to be big they took weeks to tell the stupid story of will somebody come find me and fight me even though guess what Alistair we've already seen you on the main roster for like two months before that with people showing up every week to fight you so it's stupid it's not consistent and then to but to go this level and look did I like the build no if you liked it whatever I'll get on you for cringe rousey this. I'll give you a free pass. Whatever. If you liked it, that's fine. They tried something different. Again, I like ambition. It just didn't work for me. But they set you up to believe, Adam, that it was going to be big. It was going to be new Bray Wyatt. It was going to be somebody we forgot about like a Jason Jordan. It was going to be maybe John Cena to come in there and put him over. Like it could have been anybody. And it's Cesaro. And it's not that Cesaro doesn't make great matches and I don't love him. But he was just on TV the past few weeks, and he's kind of dipping closer to the mid-card, Adam. The idea of him ever being world champion is over. He's he's really good at what he does, and he was great in the tag team with Sheamus, and he can put on great matches, and he's a worker, and he's figured out how to be the best he can be on the mic. But he's not that big reveal, and to have that reveal happen the week before, you know what would have been fine? If you just walked around that chair a couple times and you saw his hand and you're like, okay, light skin, who could this be? And you start getting excited. And then if it was Cesaro on Sunday, look, I wouldn't have popped, but maybe they go right away and have a badass match. And I'm like, all right, you know what? Cesaro pushed him. Cesaro made him. That's great. I know that can still happen, but this was like, wah, wah, like, oh, if it would have been different if Cesaro had been off TV for six months, it would have been different in a lot of ways. This was just like. You got me excited for this or you got me angry for this? You got me is really my a- end answer yeah. and I'm not happy about it.
2: You know, my biggest issue and it always is with these things is that he's a Raw superstar fighting a SmackDown superstar when they have an entire roster that they can use. I mean, if you want someone of his level, you could use Apollo Crews, you could use Buddy Murphy, debut two guys at the same time. You could bring back Sheamus. I know he's hurt and whatever, but if he, if he's healthy Sheamus is somewhat equal to Cesaro, but at least he's on SmackDown. You could bring in Yeah, but there's Rusev. no brands
0: anymore, Adam. You no, know no, this. You could
2: bring in, you could bring in Rusev to yes. do this. My, per- so that, my, that would have been perfect, yes. My, my, you could have brought in Shinsuke if you didn't want to yet do the Balor feud. So there are guys on your brand. We now have Cesaro, a Raw guy, against Aleister Black. We have Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, both Raw women, against Bailey. And we have Samoa Joe, a raw superstar against Kofi Kingston. Where are the SmackDown challengers for titles and in matches like this? It doesn't make sense. But I do agree with you on one thing. Had they just done the hand circling around the chair and built up the suspense, I would have been totally fine with Cesaro showing up at the pay-per-view because at first I would have been disappointed and then I would have said, "You know what? This is going to be a hell of a match." And they would have put on a hell of a match, they will. Uh, and Alistair Black will go over and it's going to be great. But now you're ruining the surprise. You're not giving me a reason to tune in to extreme rules to say, oh, my God, I wonder who this is going to be. Exactly. That didn't sell me a ticket. That didn't sell me uh, anything. It, it just told me, oh, you're going to have a match against Cesar. You'll like it and it'll be fine.
0: Like it, they went extreme to go to the extreme of doing the will somebody come fight me and then somebody knocked on the door like. Dude, i I was like wanting something wild. I wanted it to be Vince knocking on the door and going, "It's me. It's been me all along." And like, I'll be your, <laughs> I'll be your satanic new manager to put you over. I won't walk you to the ring, but I'll be your higher power. But like, I wanted something next level, dude. I got Cesaro in a mouthpiece. Like, come on, dude. What if,
2: what, what if all you saw was a guy stand behind it in a suit and a sledgehammer hit the chair?
0: So who would that be? Triple H. Triple or H. Tiago Santos. What are we doing? Here? Triple H. All right um yeah Jago santos can't walk yeah, know. You know right. yeah you know what yeah Th- you know what there's a storyline there there's you know i was your nxt papa and now you're you know i want to make right. sure that you're good enough yeah well, damn you right fight,
2: no you want to fight fight me like, yeah that type of you know, yeah yeah that type of situation all right anyway that was the main event bc we have a lot of show to get to before we get to it we got to hear a quick word from our friends and sponsors All right, BC, we're back, and look, it has been a significant period of time ever since this company took a little respite in Bridgeport, Connecticut. But we're going to catch up on some NXT because we simply haven't for a few weeks, and I, the Silver King, apologize for that, BC. i got a couple topics to discuss with you. I know you kind of ran through it all recently. Start with Tyler Breeze, right? So he had that tag team match with Matt Riddle, uh, and then he had this singles loss to Roderick Strong. Both, I thought, were great matches. So far, he hasn't really gone over, you know, in his return to NXT. But do you still think him coming back is a win?
0: Yes, because he's coming back as a veteran in his, what, mid-30s. So his role will be to put over the young guys. We know this. And he doesn't seem to have the diabolical heel presence where a win here would make sense only so that person could come and get it back from him later. Um, He's really making fun matches, and he presents himself as not comedic, jobber, mid-level tag team guy. He presents himself as NXT superstar with a real air to him. It's been great for me. Yes, I'm a Tyler Bree fan. I told you from day one-ish, he's not the Jannetty of the damn fashion police. He was always the star. Uh, I always believe his problem is he's a little too poor man's Dolph Ziggler, poor man's Shawn Michaels for the main roster level, but he knows his character well, and he can work. People forget that. He can work. This has been fun.
2: Go watch if you don't if you don't think he can work, go watch the Roderick Strong match.
0: And we talk about the rest of the
2: Undisputed Era. We we really don't talk about Roddy Strong. And look, he's never been a champion in NXT outside of the tag team where he didn't even really win the titles, although he helped. Um, and who knows what his main roster potential is if they do break up Undisputed Era before they get up there. But damn, this guy is good in the ring. And that match with Tyler Breeze, man, that was one of my favorite things that I've seen in NXT in a good while for a main. Main roster TV match. Um, We always also talk about how they introduce people and and the way they, you know, really do that. They don't really on the main roster do stuff outside of the ring, outside of the arena. I really want to give NXT credit. I hope you saw all of this to the Adam Cole championship celebration, going to Ohio, uh, to Gargano's Pizza Place and to the wrestling training school, flaunting the title, basically telling all those kids they ain't worth shit. And the Matt Riddle MMA training montage they had last week where they're showing him beat the crap out of one of those heavy bags straight up on the ground. I know, you know, you were a Matt Riddle fan back in UFC before he was ever a professional wrestler. I loved both of these to to such an extent that it made me nostalgic for like WWE old school promos where they used to, vignettes, I mean, you know, where they used to do stuff like
0: that. I mean, this is Triple H's handiwork obviously and it just kind of teases you of what the main roster could look like if he was handling it and again not just from a nxt takeover great match standpoint but from these type of little old school nuances mixed with new school flair uh the riddle thing gets me fired up about the excitement of could you imagine paul Heyman running raw and calling up riddle to go into a feud with lesnar where it's about oh, MMA yeah. versus mma oh my god God, does that have to get you fired up? But this Cole thing was, Adam. It was perfection. It was absolutely perfect. Cole is so damn suave. We said it before after interviewing him that he really does make up for having a smaller, thin body just by being a a Bond villain. As he told us, is what he models his uh his you know sort of talking after. I mean, he's got it and a half to go to Gargano's Pizza to go to the gym and just crap on all these young kids and say yeah go take a pizza bring it home with you and eat it because you're never going to make it. i mean it, i could not i was enthralled i could not turn away from the tv it, it's just so perfect it thank you thank you and paul we trust both Heyman and Levesque. and uh this is what it could be like adam this doesn't have to be under the hood on the jv level this is what it could be like it just makes characters matter. You're stretching them. You're giving them a personality. You're putting them in other situations. It's Million Dollar Man going to the jewelry store. It's that kind of stuff that never exactly. happens anymore. And when it does happen in very rare instances, it's way too vincified. It's never cool. It's always overdone. Give us the simple damn beef.
2: That, you know that's, that's a great point, the Million Dollar Man, because I was listening. This is probably a year ago. I was listening to something else to wrestle with on the network and Bruce Pritchard would constantly talk about, it. he was the onset producer on scene producer when they used to just like randomly go places to a graveyard for the undertaker or a jewelry store for the million dollar man. Um, and just shoot these vignettes with the, with these, you know, professional wrestlers. And they did so much to enhance their character and tell you who these people are away from the ring and from the stadium. They are – to give them credit, WWE is succeeding doing this right now with Ali. That stuff on SmackDown is fantastic. But Ali has been doing that since he was on 205 Live. So they almost kind of lucked into that happening. You know what I mean? That was either a Triple H production or an Ali production they're just continuing. So good for them. But stuff like just the Matt Riddle thing, having him in the gym, beating the hell out of a bag, talking about why he's so great uh, as a fighter You know, beyond just being a professional wrestler – I thought it was really, really fantastic. So, BC, last week, you know I praised the hell out of the Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, NXT Women's Championship steel cage match. Tell me you watched
0: it. Oh, my God. It was so good. I mean, it was, no, actually it actually wasn't good. It was great. It was straight up great. It was a perfect finish. I mean, for everybody that popped over the Kofi Kingston steel cage Ziggler finish as a way to say, okay, the match wasn't great. But that was a fun, inventive finish. This finish was even way better than that. I love when heels accidentally get sort of pushed into winning in these type of situations where it's this huge steal and escape for them. Very similar to what was it? The, the, the SummerSlam NXT takeover Gargano, Champa match with the handcuffs where, where last man standing, right? Where Ciampa was only standing because he was hanging from the handcuffs. Like <laughs> those type of just sort of like, ah, oh, man are the best things ever because the baby face got screwed and should have won the match. But the fact that they went next level on us and then had Shirai turn heel. Oh, my God. Ah! Wow. I took the screen. I pulled my upper lip up and I just rubbed my gums across (laughs) it. Like, are you friggin' kidding me? I didn't know I needed that. I needed that. Beating down Mrs. Gargano and just acting like a crazy foreign Yach! Love, 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 loved it.
2: Yeah, her cutting the promos in, like, angry Japanese, just like Asuka would. And, we you know, we miss Asuka, and, you know, I hope she's back as soon as possible. In the ring, we saw her on Tuesday, but, like, I need Asuka in my life. I need her on TV I need her badass, out of Vince's badass, suited Asuka. Yes. That's, that's what we need. But uh, Shirai was great, man, and I found it was either on Twitter or Reddit. Someone translated what she was saying in Japanese. It was badass. Um... Laray's. i mean let's not let's not gloss over Laray did a splash off the top of a cage onto i forget if it was shafir or duke but one of them that was top to bottom the best steel cage match of the year so far which is not you know there's not a huge allotment (laughs) of them um but it's the best cage or cell match honestly that i can remember in quite some time i'm not saying ever i'm not saying even five years but like in the last like year 18 months Outside, not counting like the the um, war games, I really can't think of one that I enjoyed more than that. That well, was. Let me great. put it on
0: this. Do you think this was a better match than Oscar Nikki Cross Last Woman Standing? Ooh, because that I went back and rewatched that. A couple that was weeks ago. so damn
2: good. No, it wasn't. Uh, same echelon. Yeah, I mean, it's top tier.
0: I mean that's because those are TV matches.
2: I mean, and neither, neither of those really hold the hold the candle to like Sasha Banks Bailey. If we're talking about a takeover
0: match, you know. But uh, they're closer than you think. I mean, no, that's, that match was they're, incredible. They're different kind of matches. Those, but are both, both
2: were great and both were normal NXT TV show matches. Both had Morrow on the call.
0: No, no, no. And they were not normal NXT TV matches. They were pay-per-view quality on NXT TV. They were. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. I was thinking,
2: okay, yeah, you're saying pay-per-view quality, but they were on the NXT TV show. Right. You're talking about the Oscar match where she jumps off the ladder onto the suplex table, right? off
0: the ladder through the table. Oh, right, yeah. Right.
2: Okay. Yeah. That was a TV match. I got confused for a second there, but dude sick. I'm so happy. You got a chance to see it. Did you watch that first match from the NXT breakout tournament? Or did you have to fast forward through that a little bit?
0: I didn't see that. I, I FF okay. through that.
2: I'll just give a quick shout out. It was Cameron Grimes, the former Trevor Lee against Isaiah Scott, the former Shane Strickland. They're changing all these guys names. Uh, I everyone probably in the entire arena expected swerve to win that he didn't Uh, Cameron Grimes did he's a badass Brian his name's Cameron Grimes because he's grimy he's from Cameron North Carolina trained by the Hardy boys big ass dude thick Uh, accent
0: thick Trevor Lee
2: very thick accent these two guys I mean, they they got a wealth of talent in NXT. These guys are going to well, be well. That's the why. Super,
0: that's why I'm okay with like uh, Street Profits potentially going up too early. I'm okay with you know potentially Heyman or Bischoff grabbing NXT talent that we love not ruining them in event style because takeovers last time I checked, there's still only five matches, which is very strategic. And what that means is you don't need NXT to be a giant pool because it's already overwhelmed with talent and they're bringing in new people all the time. So the factory's humming right now. It's doing well, just to, fine to be
2: fair. But to be fair though, Brian, they have quote unquote NXT talent there now that they can utilize far better. Chad Gable, uh Bobby Roode is still sitting there. Buddy Murphy's unused. So like, Use the guys you got. They have horses right now. My biggest issue with that, with calling people up, is there are, like, no more tag teams in NXT. They're down to, like, Oni Lorkin and Danny Burch, the Forgotten Sons, and the Undisputed Era. That's it. That's the list. So, I mean, if you're going to take the Street Profits, let's create some new tag teams. I know there's one with Riddick Moss they're working at with Dan Matha, but, like, let's get some stuff going on where... You can replace them. You can backfill. Yeah, if not, Trips knows what are you doing. doing?
0: He doesn't need you ranting against him. He knows exactly what he's doing. Okay. Well, I'm
2: allowed to be critical of them. Uh, Brian, I know you badly. You, you made sure you watched these matches. You want to talk the debut of the NJPW G1 first time ever in the United States of America in Dallas. It was last Friday, Saturday. I forget. It was Saturday. Day. It was, it was it Saturday. Was,
0: it was ill booking in a way, you know. You put that up essentially head to head with UFC two thirty nine International Fight Week, John Jones, Manda Nunez. You know, arguably the biggest card of the year for UFC. So you're automatically uphill battle. We know the situation. They booked this date well in advance before they knew they weren't going to have Kenny Omega, before they knew that they would have FKA Dean Ambrose, but not be able to use them. So certainly, they they were up against a lot. And you you it's a sore thumb and we have to talk about it. The arena was empty and it, it, it was a little bit sad. Maybe people were thought it was embarrassing, but the action more than made up for it. There was like enough of a crowd where it wasn't a train wreck yet. At the same time, every time they did a wide shot, it was a train wreck. Uh, it's just, well, to be the fans were great though. To be fair, the ones the the that were, were there Amazing. Cared. Yeah. And the action was amazing. I just feel bad for them that that happened. I I wish they would have not done it on a Saturday. You know what I mean? Even if it was a loaded combat sports weekend, do it on a Friday or a Sunday or whatever. And I don't know. It it could have been handled, obviously, a lot better to get what it deserved, Adam. It deserved to have a sellout arena there. It did deserve it. This is G1, which we all love. And you can't tell me with all or nothing and double or nothing and all out and all in behind and reach around all those shows they're doing. They sell out in a minute and a half that we couldn't sell out a G one with the right people there. Right.
2: You probably could have in Dallas if they had the entire crew If the Bullet Club never split up, if those guys didn't start AEW, but they need to either do one of two things, be in smaller arenas. I mean, they were in the American Airlines center. Like it's this Mark Cuban connection though. Of course it's a huge arena though. So either go to a smaller venue Or stay on the coast because you could put that in a twenty thousand seat arena in New York, New Jersey area, out in California. Maybe not during International Fight Week in California, but probably still. Wrestling fans and MMA fans are still there's you know many differences, and they would have sold it out, or they would have come super super close. They definitely would have sold a lot more tickets than they did. You can't be in Dallas, which I know is a transportation hub, but you can't be in Dallas on International Fight Week without all that talent. It just was a recipe. For disaster, credit to them, they announced uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed. They're going to do three shows, I believe, in Boston, New York, and Philadelphia. Those are the right cities to be in. They're going to smaller venues. Um, They're going to the uh, Hammerstein Ballroom in New York, which is freaking awesome. They're going to the 1300 Arena in Philadelphia, a small venue. That's where they need to do these shows. I know that they wanted to be ambitious with the G1. It was great. I appreciated them coming to the United States. Dallas without Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, it's that's not going to work for you.
0: No, it's it's it was just bad timing in a lot of ways. You know, I'm sure they didn't anticipate AEW launching that big and all that and stealing some certain key talent. But you know what? When it came time to watch the matches, heck yeah, they delivered on day one of the G1. Obviously, a week before, I believe day two is what July 13th. So we we record this on a Wednesday, July 10th. So this weekend is you know. It's going to be time, Adam, to where you and I are going to have to start, if not waking up super early, at least finding out on Twitter which matches were firecracker ones and having to go back and watch them. Because we got a few of these in these opening day and we got some sound from, you could argue, somebody who deserved a spot on Mount Rushmore. Absolutely. The great Black Sabre Jr. was there. Now, Adam, this was last minute. This came together. I was traveling. This is long. This is very long. OK, people didn't mm. love when Tristan was falling over himself last time. They said, how, long, we, how long are we talking about? Here? We're talking about pretty long here. But, <laughs> you know, we may cut it at some point. But Black Sabre Jr. is coming with some sound that he calls the first edition of Color Commentary.
1: Love it. SoC, it's me, your boy, the human Dusty Finish, FKA, Shinsuke Blackamura, BKA, Black... Sabre, Jr., calling and talk to you about the, the afterglow of the G1 Climax Night One in Dallas, where not only did they provide the in-ring product, that piece of meat that Silverstein is known to enjoy, that Wagyu steak, but they took it, they marinated it for at least a day in that fresh, crisp marked milk, that feel spot activation that we all love. That's right, boys and girls. I'm talking about wrestling milk steak.
2: <laughs>
1: Anytime you go to one of these shows or when you watch them at home, I know a lot of us are known to fast forward through some of the tag matches, and that's just New Japan 101. You're going to get your Interfaction clusters the six or seven high minutes and get out of there. And For the large part, that's what we got here. We saw G.O.D. pretty much run through Rapungi 3K. Um, we saw the normal Yano juice, Liger shenanigans. What I will say is a lot of times in wrestling, we talk about that companies aren't making new stars, which is why I wanted to throw some spotlight onto the, uh, Umino and Narita's of the world, the young lions that they plug into these tag matches for my NGPW heads out there. You'll notice that these guys are going to be the future of the company, especially, when you're paired with and allowed to look so good against the lights of Tomohiro Ishii and Jeff Cobb, who have their own issue, which boiled over after the match in a pretty cool set of moments. Um, so make sure you watch those guys, and the announcers do a pretty good job of putting them over, not really going too heavy on to just who they are, what the company expects, and letting you make your own decisions. So I think that before we get to the meat and potatoes, the best part I'll address, you know, the elephant in the room. Yes, there were... Empty seats. Just a. It was not a sellout. Uh, maybe a little bit of a black eye for the revolution. But I think the equivalent is is when you're a fan of a band that's not quite fully blown up yet, and they do a show in a a venue maybe 20% too big, but everybody in there knows all the songs. You know all the hits, and you're just there to see them. You know, give you the best show possible, and everybody's appreciative. You don't have the guy. In the fourth or fifth row, okay, so who's this guy? Okay, so who's that guy? When is John Cena coming out? For those of you who've been to some of these other shows, you know what I mean. Um, I also am not going to spend too much time talking about the Fale-Evil match. I respect both those guys and their contributions to the business, but at this point in my life, I am just not here for any Foley extended action. The first match that I did love, I will say, was obviously my namesake, ZSJ against Sonata. And it's funny, given ZSJ's post-match comments about how more or less uh, extreme technical exhibition for U.S. fans is basically pearls before swine. I think he equivalent to reading Shakespeare to a pig. I'll say that. For our part, everyone there was very heavily invested. In fact, I caught a couple people looking at the screen instead of the action just to see the little nuances the joint manipulation Sabre is known for. And to my surprise, there was a massive pop when Sonata finally rode him up. It was a great match. Did exactly what it had to do. Obviously, our next match is really important, too, when we have kenta making his debut for the company and you can kind of feel just this ebb of emotion everybody was so happy for kenta as he made his entrance it was like that guy who you've been great friends with for a long time but he's in a bad relationship and you kind of lost track for him that's always going to be your boy then finally he gets out of the relationship and he comes out for a night and everybody's like man i really miss that guy the match told a great story, you know, exchanging strikes from two of the stiffest guys in the game, but a, another little subplot was if you follow Kenta for a while, you've known that guys have, let's say, borrowed liberally from his moveset. You see him punks with the GTS, the Daniel Bryans, and so on, and it was almost like not only was he saying, I'm back, but I'm back, and I'm reclaiming what's mine. He took back the knee, he took back the GTS, and he almost took Kota Ibushi's head off a few times but it was a great match and of course the show of sportsmanship that some of the people in the crowd were waiting for a to Hill turn and he's been working a little gray but I think he's just cocky he's got to be arrogant, he's got to be that, that badass next we had the one of the most surreal moments I think a lot of us have seen We the ace of the universe, the once a millennium talent against the Rainmaker, and before the match even started, the energy in the building was just outstanding. I know because of the empty seats, they had to shoot it really tight, but I'm sure the sound came through. As Even before the guys locked up, there was just a 45-second to a minute-long group freak out standing ovation. Everybody lost their minds, and I wish they could have cut to the crowd because they were just grown men jumping up and down, just so overjoyed to see a match that vocally some people in the crowd said, I don't know when I'll ever get to see this again, and I'm glad that I'm here. We've seen these guys wrestle before, so I'm not going to do it a disservice by trying to describe the art that they put forward every time. I was surprised that instead of the usual draw, they went to a finish. But being the big rainmaker guy that I am, I was very pleased with the outcome. And of course, afterwards, instead of the usual pay-per-view feeling of people trying to beat traffic, everybody hustling to the aisles, filing out. We stayed, we sat, and we got, we were treated to a great Okada promo in what is rapidly becoming better and better English. Um, I was very, very pleased to just see everybody sit there and want to take in every moment of it they could. So, I could take this time to go into business by myself, talk about a Rushmore this, a Rushmore that, but really I'd like to Put over a couple things. One, I just want to thank the SLC for the weekly performance-enhancing audio. Um, I also want to say that for my East Coast peeps, anybody else, please go out and make sure you support these shows when they come to your area. You don't know when they'll come back again. You don't know when you'll have time. Don't be the guy who makes excuses and misses it, and then it's, before you know it, it's gone. And lastly, maybe most importantly, uh, I want to shout out a car-carrying member of the revolution, a guy on the front lines who's happens to be a friend of mine, New Japan Young Lion announcer, Mavs Gillis, a guy who I hope you can find time to have on the show just to hear about his story and how he came to chase his dreams with one of our favorite companies. You guys have been great. I've been Black Sabre Jr., and this has been the inaugural edition of Color Commentary.
0: Wow, Black Sabre bringing it. Hey, folks, deal with it this time. Okay, deal with it. We don't normally allow our, our super fans, our friends, our family members here to go that long. But Adam, I really liked a lot of what he said. I liked his perspective that, yeah, the empty seats were there, but the crowd made it feel like that wasn't the case, and it was a crowd full of hardcores. So from the experience of being in the arena, it didn't even matter. That show delivered. That brought it. And Adam, like, we got real fans. I know we celebrate, like, the Tristans, the Black Sabre Juniors. These are the dudes who go to every giant card, and they support, and they give the money, and they deliver, and they kind of keep these things going. Like, it's this collection of, like, the hardcores. I love and respect these guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, we got the tweets. We heard the audio. You know, definitely thanks for submitting that. It was long, folks. Let's – uh trim it down need more time for brian to be able to speak on this show uh but but it was very good submission and and much appreciated you know i've said it once i've said it a thousand times this man should have been in the inaugural edition of our mount rushmore but that's another conversation probably for another time the only real criticism i'm I'm gonna say is look tristan brings signs when he goes to wrestlemania i didn't see an soc sign on uh g1 did you
0: wow wow OK, yeah. So you're going to sit here and, and call out uh, BSJ.
2: I, pre- I mean, I appreciate the effort, you know, but, you know, we got to, We're trying to reach new audiences here. Like, right. I think paper signs and arenas that take, you know, yeah, okay. 20 minutes to make.
0: Wow. All right. Shout oh. out to Tristan. No, uh, number one uh, in uh, our hearts.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> all serious, all seriousness, though, uh, though, a lot of what he said, I completely agree with and certainly really do appreciate him.
0: Uh, submitting yeah, that we got to get I, into a couple of the matches that he was talking about. I, here, and
2: that's what I was kind of, kind of going to start with right off the top, you know, Osprey Archer. That was the, that opening match. Look, a little mea culpa for me. Oh, whoa, whoa, um, whoa. I gotta be, you know, I didn't want to mention the name Lance Archer, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were announcing the blocks, I know he did a little gimmick, you know, adjustment, a new look sold like, Holy cow. That guy, Vince, why are, why haven't you called Lance Arthur? Wow. That, that is a Vince McMahon wrestler. He is the big man moves. He has the speed and the size. Now he finally has a look. He's got a tramp stamp too coming out of his pants. He does. And then working with Will Ospreay, I mean, look, I've said to you guys previously, I fully respect everything Will Ospreay does, but I'm not so much bought in on him being as amazing as everyone is saying he is this year. To me, it's still a lot of athleticism with not much necessarily behind it. Well, Will, uh, you changed my tune, you know, on Saturday because that was one hell of a match you got out of Lance Archer, and it was filled with storytelling. So, you know, that match, honestly, I think was my favorite match on the entire show.
1: I can hear Jimmy.
0: That was a great match. I'm glad, Silver King, you have come around and realized... The year this man is having, the evolution of his career from Flippy Floppy to just full-on amazement, and Adam, you nailed it. He made Lance Archer look like Tom McGee against Bret Hart. (laughs) I mean, seriously. It was awesome. The, The storytelling in that match of the smaller flyer, Osprey getting beat up constantly by the six foot eleven tattooed weird heared giant was perfect storytelling. Every time it looked like Osprey was going to come back, he would get crushed again and power bombed on the apron or thrown through a table. And then Osprey goes through the big rally that we all expect, and it's fun, it's amazing. But then Adam, he doesn't <laughs> win. He succumbs he the to job. the iron claw, such an old school move, and gets pinned. Look, I know that there were people who said, look, every day on day one on G1, there's a big upset, and there is, and people had predicted that it could be Osprey. I didn't think it was going to be mixed with what Kevin Kelly told us, and obviously one loss here doesn't mean he couldn't win the block. That's not what I'm saying, but I was bought in this whole time, and joined the match, going, okay, here comes the Osprey comeback. This is going to be great, and then for them to swerve me, the stake was real. It was Brian, great. I mean, I loved it. The Iron Claw in Dallas you know like
2: perfect how perfect was that it was so well booked you know congratulations to NJPW for that match and those two guys it was fantastic I mean we could talk honestly we could talk Tanahashi and Okada but it was our typical Tanahashi and Okada match didn't do much for me I love them both they're great wrestlers it was a good match but it was not one of their epics in my opinion you know I didn't feel that I thought it was too early for that match in this block but the other match, obviously, Kota, Ibushi, Kenta, and you're going to get mad at me for this opinion. I just know it. I was completely unimpressed. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't... What? <laughs> there was athleticism, and it was good. But Kenta, compared to the Kenta that I watched before he came to WWE, and the guy who was in NXT for a couple months before he got hurt, he's a shell of his former self. It. He did not really impress me, and... It was not as good of a match as I expected. Maybe my expectations were too high, but Kota Ibushi against Kenta, the returning Kenta, you're expecting to steal the show. And like I just told you, Lance Archer and Will Ospreay stole the show.
0: Okay, I can't argue against the idea of, of Will just t- lifting Lance to, you know, and look, obviously Lance contributed. I'm not saying that, but like it was great. It, it was great. great. Um, I don't think this disappointed. No, it didn't go five stars, but um, you said some kind of true and false things at the same time. I've been saying on this podcast for years that Hideo Itami is a shadow of his storm self. The 2015 NXT version of Hideo Itami before those monster injuries was a much different performer, had the swagger, had the better yes. athleticism. He came back a much different person and just not the same. But the whole idea of him going back to NJP or going to NJPW and bringing back the Kenta name is about getting his swagger back and being who he was supposed to be because he has been very honest and said, like, I wasn't myself in WWE because they didn't want me to be myself. They wanted me to be something different and they kept angling me toward being something different. And obviously, still, the injuries did play a part. I felt like this was him shedding the skin and coming back more to who he actually is and being a vicious striker. And no, he's not as agile as he was. Got a little bit of love handles there. But... While it didn't give you the complete high wire Kota abushi possibilities, this was a Kenta match meant to put Kenta over, and I enjoyed the crap out of it they and put, loved it.
2: They put Kenta over Kota, freaking abushi yeah. in his first match back, and not even really in a great way. It, yeah, Kota, you might you may have Kota win this thing. You may have Kota challenge uh Okada at Wrestle Kingdom in the main event potentially. This guy just came off his first Intercontinental Championship reign, right? And you're having him lose to Kenta, who is a shell of Kenta, versus maybe having him lose a couple matches to get his rhythm oh, see, and
0: then the go on run. He's a run. Hideo Itami was a shell of original Hideo Itami, but I still think he can become Kenta again. It'll be a little bit of a different Kenta because he's older and he's been through the wars. But give him a chance to be Kenta again, and that's what I think he did on on yeah. in this match, and that's why I loved it. I felt happy for him. I felt good to see him do that. He was stiff. Dude, that finish was great. He hit him with the go to sleep, his move, the move that others steal from him, and Abushi sold the F out of it. Yeah, he was he laid out. That was a statement win. This match was fantastic. Silver King, you messed it. It was great. No,
2: no, the finish was great, and Ibushi's sell really sold the finish, and the match was good. I'm not saying it wasn't good, but my expectations were like, man, we're going to get like a four, four-and-a-half-star match out of these two. It may have been and four. I- it was a borderline best and bout. Best bouts. No, it was not for, I mean, not for me. I gotta be honest, I just, and I love Koto Ibushi, so it takes a lot for me to say that one of his matches didn't hit me in the feel spot.
0: Do you now, now hear Will Ospreay at least? I know you were listening to him in the past. I always, do you hear I, Will
2: Osprey? I've always listened to him. I've always heard him, but I'm allowed to have a different nuanced opinion. I'm allowed, as one of our listeners said, I forgot who, to speak in technicolor no, while you're in no, monochrome. No, no, I'm allowed no, to no. do that. No, no, no. But no, no. I was fully, but besides that, as I said, I will restate, I was fully impressed with Osprey. I was honestly even more impressed, just shocked, really, with Lance Archer, and good for him changing up that gimmick. It's kind of the opposite of Sonata, who is now like a male Kyrie Sane. But, you know, at least he, uh, Lance Archer, looks like a real competitor, and him going over Osprey was a shocker and a really great start to the G1 BC. Before we get to Extreme Rules, we do have, very quickly coming out of Firefest Fest, another AEW event, Fight for the Fallen. We're not going to necessarily preview every single match on this show. I really just want to get your general take on this card. Do you Are you excited about it? Is it kind of just, oh, yeah, it's also this weekend? We're, it's not sold out. It's not even sold to the level of Firefest in terms of percentage of available tickets. You know, it's in Jacksonville. Obviously, it does support victims of gun rights. And Chris Jericho is making an appearance. He will, quote, unquote, have a live
0: mic. He's not wrestling. What do you think of this show? Um, I kind of like where, where it sits with me. And here's what I mean. Um, if you would have asked me before I'm looking at the, uh, rundown you put together, Hey, what are your, you know, four matches you're most excited for? I would have been like, Who's on this card again? I don't even right. know. And look, some of that is because it's not time yet. And you can argue this, but it's not time yet to really care about AEW. The big thing, they have their big card. They've already announced their next big card, and what follows the next big card is the launch of TV, and that's when it matters. This past video game show was sort of just a reminder, serving other audiences, work some kinks out, try some things, get to see them. This is that, again, to me. There's probably better matches here, maybe, you could argue in some ways, but I'm not excited, but I expect to tune in, and I expect to end up being tickled in the feel spot to get me excited toward when I really need to be. So I kind of like how they're kind of laying under the radar right now. They're giving you little bits here and there to keep you into it, the road to all out, that kind of stuff, being the elite whenever they actually give you something worth caring about on there. Um, So, yeah, I'm okay with this. And you're telling me we're getting the Young Bucks versus Cody and Dustin, and considering how insanely amazing they grabbed us with that Cody and Dustin match last time, I have expectations here that this might do something to me. This might turn out to be really cool and really fun to see Cody and Dustin team up, and let's see what kind of old-school 80s NWA story they can tell here in the way they book this match. Like, it could be awesome. It could be a tribute to Dusty. We don't know. But when you book that with the combination of some of these other matches, like, I want to see Brandy. She's going up against Allie, who I loved with, Mm -hmm. with Impact. I want to see, you know... I mean, look, Brandy, if you're asking me whether I care about this match...
1: I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Oh, come on! I'm oh, man,
2: man. No, this match is going to be terrible.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm ready, Brady. That match is going
2: to suck. I just got to be honest with you; it's going to be terrible.
0: Wow, Silver King, just, just not does. just not into expect, expectations, optimism.
2: I'm just being no, not happiness. on that one. Listen, this, this this is a one match card. I mean, I'm not saying that the other ones won't be good; they will be because it's talent. But it's a one match card. It's the Young Bucks against Cody and Dustin. Yeah. And honestly, for a one match card, it's been a one sided build the entire build has been the Young Bucks making fun of the final in-ring moment oh between God. Cody and Dustin. Oh my you see them in
0: the bathroom uh, putting it's, on fake blood and stuff? Love it's that.
2: A, it's hysterical, and they do it again this week on Being the Elite on Monday, which was a fine show. Not, not Again, nothing great. It's been rough for a while, but that's funny, right? But it's completely one-sided, and I'm sure maybe Cody will have something this week on Road to Fight for the Fallen. Um, but outside of that, like they have not built Kenny Omega against Shima, other than that they're friends and, and we know this just because we happen to watch their shows. SCU and the Lucha Bros. They just announced like this week. Hangman Page and Kip Sabian zero build. But it has the, it has the
0: potential to win you over though, because it's not, Yeah, it'll be good. I mean, like, well, here's the deal. Anyone, again, anyone listening is going to BC refused to insult these guys, which is not true. It's only going to matter when they have weekly TV. We already know what they can do. They can yeah, sell out shows actually... in wrestling cities and they can yeah. put on really damn good pay per view cards. But I'm not here to tell you they rule until their weekly TV product makes me care about them. So until that structure begins, uh, you can't get too excited and you can't get too angry. It's sort of just what it
2: is. It just almost feels like they did too much at Firefest, where Firefest should have been a like this card should have been Firefest. And then Firefest maybe should have been this. I, I, it just doesn't seem good. And then the kickoff show match, what they call the buy-in. They have Joey Janela, Jimmy Havoc, and Darby Allin against Sean Spears, MJF, and Sammy Guevara. MJF and Sean Spears are rivals now because Sean Spears hit Cody with a chair. But they're teaming up on the same side of a match, which is a total logic flaw for me. And now they have Chris Jericho with a live mic that I honestly feel that they announced – just to try to get a few more butts in the seats. And apparently he's going to say something that no one expects and who the hell knows what that's going to be. But you just can't tell me. And I know you're not saying this. I'm just, I'm expressing this thought myself. You can't tell me they did a good job building this card. It's, a one match show. And even that one match, uh, okay. the styles,
0: I, the style contrast between
2: those two. I mean, maybe it'll be good, but
0: I can't say it's a one match show when you have the Lucha brothers on it against SCU, which I know there's no story, but it could be an insane match. God, Kenny Omega on the show against a worker. Like we could see something, but, but I, there's if you're, zero if you're, build. Yes. Because again, they don't have a weekly TV show. So until they do, I'm not going to no, rely on, oh. I'm not going to rely on being the elite to be a giant builder when it hasn't and, been good. And
2: Road wrote, to wrote the Firefest. They have basically 30 minutes of weekly quote-unquote
0: TV that they can use to promote it, and they still didn't. Okay, that's they fine. still so did it. My point the- was, you can't get overly excited, you can't get overly mad until the TV hits. They're not real in terms of a, a, a legitimate competition, and that's what they're aiming for. They're a- don't listen to anybody. They're aiming to be a legitimate competition to WWE. Of course, they are. So until they have until they have a cable TV weekly show, they are not. They're still an indie promotion. So if you want to criticize, they haven't built this. Yeah, they don't have a show. And they haven't done a great job on being the elite. But look, Adam, you're getting me fired up here. I mean, come on. You got to stop. You got to stop.
1: You, you got to stop.
0: I mean, speaking of AEW talent and um, Enzo, did you see Joey Janela and Enzo got in that fight at the uh, at the uh, which concert was that in Jersey? Was it T-Pain? No, it was the Blink-182 concert. Oh, my God. It was Blink-182. Janela supposedly came up and introduced himself. Uh Enzo thought he was too cocky. Joey says they got into a brawl. I don't know the truth, but whatever. I take Joey Janela's side. doesn't matter. I can't wait for Enzo to show back up on WWE television. Thank you. Um, all right. Enough of this stuff. Enough AEW. Enough of this minor league stuff. Let's get to this weekend's card. It's Extreme Rules time. It's preview time. Turn on your YouTube machines. It's coming for you right now. It's time to get extreme on the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports. My name is Brian Campbell, along with Adam Silverstein, getting you fired up for Sunday's WWE Extreme Rules card and our video YouTube preview. If you're hearing this in our audio version, please check out YouTube. Check out our mugs, getting you wired, getting you fired up. Silver King in the house here. Bro, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. WWE making some strides. Should we be this excited as my voice sounds now for Sunday night show? Well, I
2: don't know if we should ever be as excited as you get for anything, BC, but this is going to be a good show. I mean, it's a solid match card, top to bottom, excited at it's There's 10 of them excited at what we're going to get. It's not overloaded like we get sometimes for a SummerSlam where we get 16 matches. Uh, it's not too short where not enough people are on the show. They're, they have most of the major titles being defended and most of the major superstars that we want to see. So it's not a SummerSlam, it's not a WrestleMania, but Extreme Rules generally delivers, and I think this year is going to be another case of that.
0: And timing-wise, it's in Philadelphia, the home of ECW, the connection all there. But timing-wise, I feel like there's at least a little bit of pressure on WWE proper for this weekend's show, considering the recent news. Paul Heyman running the creative side of Raw Eric Bischoff going to be starting, I think, in a week, running the creative side of SmackDown. We've seen a little bits of changes mixed with that old-school Vince McMahon flavor. So you could say, Adam, that this show, if we're going to be super optimistic, could be the, the first day of the rest of our lives as WWE admirers, watchers, critics, fans. Or the last day of the
2: first half of our lives, either way, because like you said, there may well be a new starting point. WWE on Monday as they move into the Fox deal for SmackDown, their new USA Network deal for Raw, and certainly competition in the form of AEW coming in October on TNTBC. But with that said, Extreme Rules, it's going to get underway Sunday, we're going to get underway talking about it right now, we have the Cruiserweight Championship that we're expecting to be on the kickoff show, Drew Gulak defending his Cruiserweight title against Tony Neese, Tony Neese looking to win it back, BC. You know, this match, they often are putting these cruiserweight matches on the kickoff show. Does it deserve a little more main roster billing, or is this the right spot
0: for this type of match? This seems like the right spot. These aren't the two sexiest, most charismatic cruiserweight contenders or champions that we've seen. In terms of this actual match, look, I love the idea of Gulak as champion. I think it brings a lot in there. You can't take the belt off of him this quickly. I hate Silver King, because you know I love the cruiserweights and you know they deliver on these pay-per-view cards. I hate telling me, give me seven and a half hot minutes and get out of here. But for this match, I'm kind of stuck on that. I don't think the storyline here really necessitates a a barn burner, a classic. Give me Gulak with the dragon armpit sleeper holding back up that belt. Yeah, I think Gulak retaining
2: is kind of a no-brainer here. But it's as simple as they took all of the most exciting people, Ali, Cedric, Alexander, I almost called him Cedric the Entertainer there for a second, um, and Buddy Murphy, they took him off 205 Live, so now we're kind of left with Drew Gulak and Tony Nese. Not that I don't like them, but they're not really main roster, main show caliber performers, or at least not in a show that is this loaded. So for me, I'm going to take Gulak. I'm going to get the hell out of there and move on to this Aleister Black-Cesaro match. We've already seen Alistair Black on the main roster in WWE, but they're almost acting as this as if this is his debut and cesaro obviously they just announced him as the opponent tuesday night on smackdown i think it's going to be a great match bc maybe just not the most exciting choice in wwe picking cesaro for black's first let's call it opponent
0: Yeah, you can listen to the extended podcast this week on the State of Combat to hear our thoughts and hear my thoughts. I don't like the build. I don't like the opponent choice. I certainly didn't like the reveal. That doesn't mean I won't like the match on Sunday as obviously Cesaro, an incredible worker who can do the stiff style well, should work really well opposite Black. Black Mass, one of the best finishing moves in all of professional wrestling. You have to put Alistair Black over here, considering the effort put into retooling his character at a time when it didn't seem like it really needed it. All right, enough negative stuff. They're going to deliver with a good match. Aleister Black's going to win. Yeah, I mean, if they give this 15 minutes,
2: we're talking possible match of the night. I mean, there's no better person to possibly put Aleister Black over than Cesaro in terms of just in-ring ability. Now, if you want to talk storyline, yeah, they could have gone with Cena or Rey Mysterio or someone like that. But Cesaro and Aleister Black have the potential to be one of WWE's best matches of the year. So I'm really curious to see where they're going to put it in the card and also curious just to see how Aleister Black wins. Is it easy? Is it going to be in five minutes? Or do they they let these guys really compete and go after it, BC? And talking about guys who are really going to go after it, the SmackDown tag team scene has really become interesting. You have Daniel Bryan and Rowan as the champions. And they're defending against New Day, Big E, and Xavier Woods, and Heavy Machinery. I think the last pay-per-view, Stomping Grounds, you and I were both surprised at how well Heavy Machinery succeeded in a tag team title match against someone the caliber of Daniel Bryan. Now you have Big E and Xavier Woods, New Day, one of the best tag teams in
0: WWE history. I think this match has the potential to steal the show as well. It certainly does, especially that match you referenced where they allowed Heavy Machinery to be workers. And certainly these are big guys who are good athletes, but Dan O'Brien worked hard to put them over. With that said, and as good as the build has been on TV, showcasing the comedic elements that Heavy Machinery do well, I can't see WWE having the guts here to put the title belts on them more than those paper ones that they were wearing. What were those called? The the Cook County Championships, whatever those were. (laughs) Yolo Uh, County. Yeah. yeah, Yolo County, you only wear them once. I only think it comes down to, are we going back to the new day? Is this a soft finish blow to set you up for maybe that title coming off of Kofi Kingston? And now at least you have the tag team belts back in the family and the faction. Not really sure. I'm more likely to predict Daniel Bryan and Rowan keeping these titles because they're doing such an amazing job with them. Bryan on the microphone is some of the best stuff we've seen in all of wrestling this match will this match will excite us though Adam and the fact that I don't really know 100% which direction WWE is going or really should be going should bring some curiosity at the very least Absolutely and Brian's entire you know aura of hey
2: we're here to elevate the tag team division put it in the main event it really loses steam if they drop the titles even if they're dropping them to the New Day so for me it just really doesn't make sense for there to be a title change in this match though I think there's a little bit more likelihood that we see a title change in the Raw Tag Team Championship match between the Revival defending the titles against the Usos. Now, the Usos are looking for their seventh Tag Team Championship in WWE. The Revival have had two title reigns ever since it's come out that they may be on their way out of WWE at the end of their contract. So that puts this match in a really interesting you know, situation. Do they give the titles to the Usos and maybe are realizing that Revival is eventually going to leave? Or do they stick with the Revival and allow them to continue being tag team champions
0: and find a new set of contenders for them? Well, look, we're already skirting the line, toeing the line of the whole dirt sheets and how much you want to believe, how much you want to allow that stuff into your thinking as you look at this. If the title belts come off of the Revival here, is that a tell that they are leaving? It's all very interesting and certainly adds some kind of juice to this matchup. I think the match can be fantastic I'm never against the titles going back on the Usos. Their promo work has been incredible in this new iteration of them with the penitentiary, with the darker colors. It would be tough to see the Revival exit WWE main roster, despite holding the titles a couple times, without really ever getting a push, without really ever getting... Uh, being put in something where it made them look cool rather than seeing them feud against the B team or seeing them take everybody's finisher at Raw 25 at the Hammerstein Ballroom. No, I will not let that one go. Um, With that said, prediction-wise, kind of feel like it's going back on the Usos. I don't think Vince and WWE was ever really high on these guys. And I think the recent quote-unquote pushes they've gotten as pseudo-members of this Shane faction that's been all over TV. Seems like that has come to an end. So unless you're going for some kind of 2.04 horseman and you're taking the Tully and Iron qualities that Dash Wilder and Scott Dawson bring, maybe they do give up the, the straps and maybe they head on over down south to that other promotion. Yeah, the only reason I'm guessing that Revival is
2: gonna keep the titles is simply they just got them. And we talk all the time about WWE hot-shotting title changes so frequently that they just got the titles. They're doing well with them. Yes, that's true. They're not really working with Shane anymore, despite that. Those two weeks were actually pretty good when they were kind of almost Four Horsemen-esque light versions um, with them kind of in that tag team role. I like them. I want them to keep the titles. I think more importantly, we needed new face tag team championship challengers on the raw show and if you give them to the usos they're looking for another heel team so give me the revival i don't necessarily know that it's going to happen but i'm hopeful we'll move back over to smackdown bc we have bailey defending the smackdown women's championship against alexa bliss and nikki cross in a two-on-one handicap match this is our first quote-unquote extreme rules match of extreme rules not that extreme here You you know, uh, Nikki Cross was basically on TV this week talking about being co-champions with Alexa Bliss. Do you
0: see them actually doing that? I hope they actually do that. This has been obviously teased before in the past. I believe it was KO, Kevin Owens, and Chris Jericho who had you believing that they could be going in that direction, which WWE didn't. I like the chaos the idea of co-champions brings just as much as I like the New Day using the Freebird rule and having anyone be allowed to, to put the tag team title around their waist and defend it. Obviously, we know where this is headed. It's another Alexa Bliss friendship storyline in which she's more of a bully using the other person. But the fact that they've gone so over and above in having Bailey and others tell Nikki Cross that she's being used makes me wonder whether this is all a setup to continue to get Nikki Cross over. Maybe not necessarily into a solo title run, but maybe give a co-champion title run here with Bliss and Cross to help that facilitate their eventual departure from each other. Maybe that elevates Nikki Cross further. But Adam, I don't even want to talk about any of the three in these match, in this match. I want to talk about the elephant boss in the room, Sasha Banks. Do you know how many times in the build to this match they've told Bailey you don't have any friends? You're not good at keeping friends. You don't have anyone to get your back. Sunday. We're going to see this. We're going to see the return of the boss. The dirt cheats tell you she's a lot happier. Her little long weekend is over in terms of being angry. She's under contract for a while. Might be time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think she has two more years left on her deal, maybe a little bit more. She just spent this past week in Japan working with Michael Satomura and and maybe learning some stuff. Maybe that's part of a video package announcing her return. I don't know. Maybe it was just a nice trip. But, look, you don't know how much you miss Sasha Banks in WWE until Sasha Banks is gone from WWE, and she's been gone since April. To me, that is the storyline here, and that's no offense to really anyone else in the match, but they are definitely setting this up to allow fans to expect that Sasha Banks comes in, to save Bailey at some point, help her retain the title. Now, my hope and your hope, I'm sure, is we want to see the boss, the legit boss, Sasha Banks, come back. We want to see her turn heel again on Bailey. So maybe she saves her, retains the title, and they start the feud that they should have finished a year ago. Let me change that. They finished the feud they should have finished a year ago and go into SummerSlam In a SmackDown women's title match with Bayley having the title and Sasha Banks as the challenger. That's the only way I see this panning out to a way that gets me excited because you know what doesn't excite me? Co-champions. It devalues the title. It's ridiculous. The stipulation sucks. I'd much rather see another one-on-one match and have Nikki Cross be outside the ring doing something. But look, you saw the graphic that our, our producer John had up there. Alexa Bliss is a five-time women's champion. Can you actually believe that? And they're going to make her six and have this one be co-champions with Nikki Cross.
0: I I actually think we're going in that direction. I think not only will the heels win, but you will get Sasha back. And it could end up leading into some kind of Sasha Banks versus Nikki Cross type of feud to get the title on her. Yeah, a heel turn would be better. I'd love if they even did that on Sunday night. Sasha Banks gets the big pop coming in looking like she's going to save her former teammate only to turn on her. It gets me fired up. I mean, Adam, I had a dream I hadn't made it, but there's nothing stopping me right now, right? I don't know the rest of the words to that weird song, but (laughs) let's see some boss time. All right, Michael Cole, let's do this.
2: It is boss time, and a little fun fact I noticed on Raw is every time there there was someone who had a – maybe it was SmackDown actually, but they had like a bring Sasha Banks back sign in the crowd and every time the guy lifted it Kevin Dunn immediately cut away from it so it's either they don't want her name mentioned on TV which would mean she's not coming back or they don't want to spoil it and have her name out there for fans to see it so I found that to be very interesting also interesting BC the Braun Strowman Bobby Lashley match what did I say to you after coming out of Raw two weeks ago I said this match could actually main event extreme rules you may have thought that was a little hyperbolic that's fine but they are going to be in a last man standing match on this show. I am completely excited for it. What do you think happens here? Do you think that Bobby Lashley can win this match?
0: I don't know. That would depend on how long you would want this storyline and this angle and feud to go and whether you actually had legitimate plans for Bobby Lashley to like go up to the title level, maybe actually have that Braun Strowman feud that we, w- that we sort of said makes too much sense not to do it to former MMA fighters coming together. So if you're going to go in that way, the kind of push you need is to get him past Braun Strowman right now, who, again, is sort of lost in that we're not really doing anything with him. We don't really see him as a title contender. We're just going to have him blow stuff up. The good news is when he blew stuff up a couple of rows ago, it was absolutely fantastic. And what that moment did, Adam, is I think it put a little bit of pressure on them. We can't have a ho-hum Extreme Rules last man standing match. There isn't much extreme about this card if we're being really honest. We're in Philly Let's get extreme. Let's have this last man standing match be all over the arena. Let's have an even bigger next level type explosive way to end this match. And how about let's give Bobby Lashley that push? He's not great, but there's a way you can present him. And he's not getting any younger in his early 40s that you can still get something out of him with those muscles and you can still get him closer to a feud that matters. I don't know what I predicted for this, but you just talked me into wanting Bobby Lashley to win. Uh, For me, it's a no-doubter. That's my prediction.
2: Because, I mean, you see this badass footage here. This is awesome. Like, this is what we want out of professional wrestling. It's what we want out of WWE. And to their credit, they followed that up with a couple promos from Bobby Lashley that are what we want out of Bobby Lashley. And, look, I I don't think anyone ever wants Braun Strowman losing because a guy his size, his talent, he shouldn't, you know, in kayfabe, really ever lose. He should probably already have been champion, right? But if you're not going to have him at champion... And you're looking at Seth Rollins, maybe coming out of Extreme Rules as champion, we'll discuss that in a little bit. He needs a heel challenger for SummerSlam. And I seriously buy in to Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley for the Universal Championship at SummerSlam, especially because that presents a really good opportunity for Brock Lesnar either to get involved in the match or possibly start the feud with Bobby Lashley that we've wanted to see from Brock Lesnar for so long. So... Look, it's time to put Bobby Lashley over. It's time to give him a chance. They're paying him a lot of money.
0: He's a big name. I think you have Bobby Lashley win this match. To me, it's a no-brainer. And by the way, real quick on Braun Strowman, we have optimism that 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 the future's changing with Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff now supposedly heavily involved and in creative moving forward as we head into the big Fox launch. So can we do something different with Braun Strowman? Can he not be Andre the Giant 2.0 and the king of blow-up things can we go back? Like, I don't need him to be the big show of this era. Adam, you know what I want him to be? That badass heel he was when he originally debuted on the main roster with the Wyatt family and he used to lift people up and choke them out cold. I think there's a ton of money in him as a giant feud. I'm sorry, as a giant heel feuding against your top baby faces where you don't even necessarily need to give him the title. I think when you keep him a babyface in a quote unquote attraction, and then you never really cash that in in terms of making him feel credible, he feels kind of underwhelming overall. I do think it's smart that they made this a last man
2: standing match because it does actually give Lashley the opportunity to win without really hurting Strowman, you know, that he can pin him with a forklift or, you know, p- throw a bunch of ladders over him or put pin him under the stage. There's ways to get Lashley the win and make it look like it just happened. Versus that he actually physically dominated and defeated Braun Strowman. And honestly, if they decide to put Strowman over, same thing the other way. It would allow Lashley to save a little bit of face. Um, We're going to talk about two guys who are much, much smaller than Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman. Those are Ricochet and AJ Styles in a United States championship match. Ricochet coming in as the champion, just defeated Samoa Joe at stomping grounds. It's his first title in WWE BC, never even had one. In NXT, I'm sorry, he did have the North American Championship, but in the main roster, first ever title. Meanwhile, you have AJ Styles coming off a year-long run as WWE Champion, looking to win the U.S. title for the third time. We've gotten plenty of taste of this on Raw. How excited are you from this match? I talked about you know Cesaro and Alistair Black stealing the show and
0: possibly being one of
2: the matches of the year. This is right up there, too.
0: Uh, This might be my most anticipated match. Obviously, the in-ring potential is huge with the two workers. Loved what they've been doing on Raw. When you add in the club, Gallows and Anderson back with a heel AJ Styles, you now have storyline wrinkles of what you can do. And when you look at this, Uh, Yeah, I don't expect the title to come off of Ricochet after he just won it. Yet at the same time, I'm not really sure who's going to win it here. A heel AJ Styles would be fantastic with the title and two pieces of muscle around him. If you're going to do a longer AJ Styles-Ricochet feud that can extend us through SummerSlam, maybe you want the belt to go hot pocket onto AJ and have Ricochet maybe win it back. The fact is that I don't really have a predictable outcome here means that I'm expecting them to wow me, and I think they certainly have the superstars to do that. Absolutely. I mean, there's no question the talent that these two bring. Having
2: the club there certainly adds a level of intrigue. We always talk that we don't like 50-50 booking, but that's kind of what we've seen with these two guys. And something really has to give here. I don't necessarily think it's great for Styles to lose to Ricochet, you know in on a pay per view like this, but at the same time, as a heel, he's more able to absorb such a loss, especially if Ricochet wins via roll up or a schoolboy or something like that and doesn't just straight up pin him one, two, three. So, I do think there's an out for Ricochet, uh, for and for AJ Styles more so to get out of this feud and move forward, but at the same time, it feels to me a little bit. Like they rushed this. This would have been a great feud for SummerSlam to build up all the way, have the club terrorize Ricochet, have Ricochet find some people to get his back, maybe a Cedric Alexander, some other people on the roster. But all of a sudden they're giving it to us at Extreme Rules without
0: a stipulation. No Extreme Rules or anything well, like that. Well, they, they, you may end up getting what you want though, Adam, because Extreme yeah. Rules ends up being an appetizer towards SummerSlam that they, this could really turn out to be exactly what we want. My question is who would get Ricochet's back in the end? What if it was Finn Balor? And what if that led to Balor joining the dark side? A lot of possibilities here. I know Finn Balor has other business on another brand. Just trying to get a little creative here. Yeah, I mean, look, you had
2: Triple H hug Ricochet after he won the U.S. Championship. What if you bring him in? Who knows where this could go? But I am excited for the match. It does have the potential to steal the show along with that Alistair Black and Cesaro match. And we'll see. We'll see if it continues on to Summer- SummerSlam BC. Something I know you and I both hope does not continue at least past Extreme Rules, Roman Reigns and The Undertaker against Shane McMahon, Andrew McIntyre. This is a no-holds-barred tag team match, one of the other stipulation matches on this show. I mean, look, we saw Kevin Owens come out and really rip Shane McMahon and how much he's been on TV, but if I'm being totally honest, the build to this has
0: not been terrible. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's The Undertaker in 2019. It's Patrick Ewing in an Orlando Magic jersey. Get it off my screen. I think the way that this whole build has happened shows you the differences in philosophy. This Roman versus Shane and others feud has gone on way too long. So what was WWE and maybe Vince's decision at some point? How do we spice this up? How do we make people care and start cheering <laughs> Roman? We'll bring back The Undertaker. Your ultimate thrill ride was supposed to have been your last ride, Callaway. Why are you back? And then it shows you what we saw this week. You and I already broke it down in our extended podcast of how great Kevin Owens was on SmackDown on Tuesday night, giving you the little bit of Steve Austin, little bit of CM Punk feels, and the potential of what that means, him opposite Shane. Is he going to run in on this match? I think that element adds a ton of intrigue. I need us to get away from Roman Reigns feuding against these heels, and I need Undertaker to not show up on my screen on Sunday night. In Philadelphia, I said it. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm a man. I'm still 40 for another few weeks. Come at me, dead man. I guess the point more than anything is that I was not offended
2: by really what they've done, especially on Tuesday night on SmackDown. I thought it was a strong finish to sell that match. And listen, if anything that they do that gets Roman Reigns cheered is ultimately a win for WWE. And the truth is that doesn't happen that often these days. Roman Reigns getting organic cheers that are not almost pity cheers in some way so you know he got cheered on Tuesday I think there's the opportunity for these two to work together well in the match I'm glad it's a no holds barred match because it takes a lot of pressure off the undertaker to perform really as a wrestler which is what he's getting paid to do in this match right and ultimately my hope is that the the faces just win here and we move on with the rest of our lives because as you said any other result anything else that keeps the Undertaker. On my TV in 2019, or keeps Roman Reigns involved in a feud with Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre, where he's already beaten McIntyre, and it's just like enough already. Like, let's get on with it. We wanted McIntyre to get that win over Reigns to catapult him, and we never got it. So for me, I hope this is the end all be all, right? Why don't we just
0: make it a six man with Elias and Kane while we're at it?
2: God, the last. If I don't need Undertaker on my screen in 2019, I definitely don't need Knoxville Mayor Glenn Jacobs on my screen donning the red mask in 2019. What I do need BC on my screen in 2019 and Sunday at extreme rules, 7 p.m. Eastern on the WWE network is Kofi Kingston coming in as a WWE champion against Samoa Joe and BC spoiler alert.
0: I'm picking Samoa Joe to win the WWE title. What say you? I'm right with you because it would seem like it's the perfect time because it doesn't seem like the perfect time. A lot of us thought, great story for Kofi at WrestleMania, great moment, not really cut out to be a long-term champion. In fact, I think the last few pay-per-views, I sat here and said, it's time to take the belt off Kofi. Something has happened since then. I think Kofi has really stepped it up and has been a fine champion in a lot of ways. His match quality has been through the roof, and last week's middle finger to Samoa Joe certainly had that next level sort of, we going PG-13 here, this is great. Kofi, kind of a badass, love where this is going. With all that said, now is the time. Samoa Joe is hot. You've heated him up so many times than to do nothing with him. It would make so much more of an impact to have Samoa Joe beat Kofi here, the beloved champion, and do it in a disrespectful, physical, violent way that not only is he the right guy to finally taste that level of a title, but even if you wanted to double it back, Even if you're Vince and going, well, the people really love cheering for Kofi at WrestleMania. Let's give it to them again at SummerSlam. Even if it was that predictable, Adam, where Samoa Joe would win the title here and then lose it back to another giant babyface pop in Toronto. I'm here for it. Let's do it. Let's see what Samoa Joe can do each week with a title. He's the best promo in the company right now. Daniel Bryan's close. But Samoa Joe does that heel, I'm going to kick your R stuff. Even better than Daniel Bryan does the environment stuff. We
2: also, by the way, just badly need heel champions. Like, I believe all the singles champions right now are faces, and that is a massive problem when you're going into SummerSlam. And at SummerSlam, you want faces to win championships, right? So at at their biggest shows, that's what you want to happen. But right now, who's going to beat them? Other faces? No. There's a major dearth of heel champions right now, and Samoa Joe... I mean, look, you can like Daniel Bryan. You can like Brock Lesnar. Samoa Joe is my favorite heel in the company. This is a great feud already, despite it being somewhat hotshot. And you know I hate that he's a Raw superstar contending for a SmackDown title. But you know what? In this era, in this age of the wild card rule, who cares? It's over. The roster splits it basically. It's basically done. I'd much rather get the title on Samoa Joe. Kofi has had a fantastic run. I thought he was a great champion from the very beginning. It took you a little bit to come around. I don't care. I'm glad we're on the same side right now. But Samoa Joe would be an amazing WWE champion too. And he's the perfect type of guy to take the title into SummerSlam, as you mentioned. And if you want Kofi to win it back, that's fine. We're like six weeks away from SummerSlam. You got plenty of time to build that. Have Kofi earn a number one contendership again. That's great. What I want to see is a guy with the WWE title who really makes it feel like the WWE title. And we had that with AJ Styles. We had it with Daniel Bryan. Kofi brings a different light to it, and I'm happy for him. You know I was rooting for him months before WrestleMania ever started, but he's had his run. It's time to take the title off him. It's time to give it to a dominating guy like Samoa Joe and just bring that prestige to the title that we want to see where you really think, man, I don't know who's going to beat this guy. And that's how I kind of feel when I look at Samoa Joe. And look, maybe I only feel that way for six weeks and Kofi wins like you said and like I kind of co-signed there. But it's something that I'm extremely excited about. Can I
0: fantasy book and uh, fill your veins with excitement here? All right. Kofi is going to lose the title on Sunday against Samoa Joe. But New Day will have won the championships early in the cards. So, So Kofi's now a tag team champion again. It's a soft landing. We head into SummerSlam where Kofi says, Not only am I getting my rematch against Samoa Joe for the title, but, hey, Big E and Xavier, I'll defend with you. I'll help you out. Accidentally, Kofi costs his New Day brethren the tag titles at SummerSlam. We head to that title match later against Samoa Joe, and it's Big E who turns back into Dolph Ziggler bodyguard Big E with the African colors and turns heel on Kofi Kingston and then we get that New Day implosion feud that I've always wanted. Kofi on one side, Big E on the other. Xavier Woods trying to keep the, the 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 cohesion between them, but it's unsuccessful. There's big business there. And you can do that with Kofi either winning the belt back from Samoa Joe to get the big pop moment and then have Big E turn, or you can have Big E cost him the title later. I love what you do for me. New Day explosion feud. It's time to cash in on it.
2: I, th- I thought you were doing a Toyota promo there or that's something close, like that. You that. was that's close. close. That's why these guys. Every time we talk to Kofi, every talk, every time we talk to Xavier, every time we talk to Big E, that's why they call UBC a wedge driver because you're trying to drive them apart. It's not going to happen. You can book the damn territory all you want. WWE isn't splitting up New Day, and more importantly, New Day isn't letting WWE split up. New Day. And we talk about relationships and people not getting split up. Well, we hope this one lasts a long time. It is the main event. At least we expect it to be the main event of Extreme Rules. Winners take all. Mixed tag team Extreme Rules match. You see the title there. I'm not making it up. Seth Rollins defending his Universal Championship. Becky Lynch defending her WWE Raw Women's Championship in the same match against Baron Corbin. And Lacey Evans, we have seen these title matches now individually, one-on-one, on two consecutive shows. The additional stipulation here is if Corbin and Lacey Evans lose, they never get another title match against Rollins and Lynch, respectively. And if Rollins and Lynch win, hey, they're the champions. They don't have to deal with it anymore. We get new feuds heading into SummerSlam. Brian, there's a lot of ways this match can go. There's no elimination. There's no BS confusing rules here outside of the confusion that you already see on your screen, is there any possible way that Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch both lose their titles on
0: Sunday night? I mean, it's, it, it doesn't seem likely. I, I'm trying to create a scenario here, okay? Uh, the, the, Baron fact, the Baron Corbin factor really makes you lose any belief that they would put the biggest title on him, even for a short period of time. Yeah, he could sell it as a heel who cheated to win or whatever, but no, my only confusion is this. This feels more like a SummerSlam match. It's for a little bit more of the casuals and the kiddies. It's a mixed gender match. It feels like it's the perfect one you would do on SummerSlam and have the baby faces win and have Seth and Becky hug and kiss and we're dating and it's great and we figure it out and it's oh, it's great, but yet it's the main event potentially of Extreme Rules a month, two months before. Hmm, that's a little bit interesting to me. I know we're going to over-smark ourselves here and try to, you know, smark ourselves into a corner here, but is there any chance that that's the direction we're going to put the heels over for a short title run and Becky and Seth's relationship now gets questioned? I know there's some uh, question whether it's actually a real relationship or is it for storyline purposes only, there's some drama you could make there, Adam. I mean, I know we're seeing it maybe over the top with the canalises in terms of Maria yelling at him and stuff, but what if all the builds of the storyline is true? Would you be entertained by the idea of Seth and Becky losing this and one of them blaming the other one for losing the title, and then you get the long-term drama that I guess could lead to a mixed rematch or it could just lead to some other craziness?
2: It's just, I mean... Who cares? Like I, I think it's a fine, I think it's a fine storyline for a mid-level pay-per-view to get us through it on the way to SummerSlam. But if you're gonna rebook this for SummerSlam and keep this going, and your main storyline going into SummerSlam is Becky and Seth being mad at each other for losing each other's titles, and <laughs> maybe having and maybe having fourth matches in a row against Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans then you don't want people to watch SummerSlam. You don't want people to buy tickets to go to Toronto, whatever stadium or arena it is, it's going to be in. I'm sorry, guys, up there. I forget where it's going to be. You don't want that because those are horrible bookings. These have been terrible feuds, and fans have told you that they're sick of both. So they're at least setting it up for a happy ending where not only do they retain their titles, they're a couple, it's a feel-good moment, so on and so forth, but they're also ridding us Of Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans from the title picture. If they don't go that way, then all of the bad blood that we have felt about this, seeing Baron Corbin in the main event for like nine months now, definitely since the Royal Rumble, and seeing Lacey Evans get this massive push immediately coming out of WrestleMania, despite really not deserving it, despite being a decent talker and having a decent finisher... (laughs) Then you're just continuing this over and over again, and you're basically telling me that nothing that they have done the last three months really matters because they can give us a convoluted stipulation main event with a relationship angle, and that's how we're going to send you into SummerSlam. No, there's no either that bad, and maybe if those were the plans, hopefully with Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff at the helm, those are not going to be the plans, BC. I can't stomach it. Seth Rollins. Becky Lynch, retain those titles, head into SummerSlam with separate singles
0: feuds for your titles. All right, but here's the deal, though. Paul Heyman is part of this right now and is a genius. So what if the heels do win on Sunday night, and we have a heel go home, and people are like, wow. And what if Becky costs Seth accidentally the match and their titles? And what if over the next few weeks, Lacey Evans starts getting chummy with Seth? First, he's like, no way, get away from me. But then eventually she manipulates him into believing that Becky cost him the titles. And Becky has ruined his reign and brought his career down and his value down. Eventually, in almost a Elizabeth Megapowers type situation, but even deeper this time, Lacey brings Seth over to the dark side. They're secretly dating. She coerces Baron Corbin (laughs) into giving Seth a title shot. Then cheats to make sure Corbin loses. Seth wins back his title. They're a power couple. And then Becky, needing a super babyface by her side, calls up Hulk Roman Reigns. And then our SummerSlam match is Becky and Roman against heel Seth and Lacey Evans. No, I I, mean, I got myself fired you're, up. You're, right there. you're
2: doing what you're doing is like Attitude Era slash ruthless aggression era booking with pg era characters no no thank you don't want it i don't want any more mixed tags outside of the the mixed match challenge I i like that very much it's fun great you want to have a mixed tag on raw Great, good for you. I don't need it main eventing shows. I don't need two titles on the line in a single match. They tried that back in the day. It kind of worked then. It doesn't work in a mixed tag match where only the women can fight the women and only the men can fight the men because we don't do intergender rules in WWE. Look, Brian, the best thing WWE can do, I've said this many times on the podcast, I say this all the time on Twitter, sometimes the most predictable finish is the best finish give us the storyline we want let the faces win let us go out on a high note and then carry the goodwill over to raw which is really going to be the start from what we understand of the paul Heyman executive director error Er i said error i meant era and then move on to smackdown same thing with eric bischoff that's the way that we need to end extreme rules on sunday night
0: hey not the way i would have booked it but you know that's why i'm sitting in this chair in my basement talking to you right now (laughs) truth all right, Adam, that'll wrap up a loaded show, getting people fired up for what was and what is to be. We have AEW and WWE this week. A little bit of a combat sports lull before we turn the corner to Pacquiao Thurman. So you better believe the state of combat will have you covered, not just with a preview show, but with your boy BC on the ground, CBS HQ on the ground, getting excited. You got it. You got a feel yet? Who you like? You, I know you're on this run of predicting winners here in, in combat. Well,
2: sports, so to, to clarify, the winners I'm predicting are rounds over unders on rounds. And, and I've also been predicting winners and I've been right about all except Anthony Joshua. Obviously, no one was right about that. I ex-
0: expect no one was right about that. Is it wrong that I feel Keith Thurman here? No, this fight is a 50-50 fight because both have, like, legitimate questions. Because if Thurman becomes the Thurman of old and sits down on his power punches, like, Pacquiao could be in trouble. But if Thurman tries to box, somehow 40-year-old Pacquiao still has it. Like, it's an interesting fight. At some
2: point, it has to give out, though. And Thurman's the kind of guy where, like, he's talented enough and skilled enough where maybe it's now – but man, how much Should how much longer now. is Manny going to do this, man?
0: Uh, well, until somebody probably sends him to the deep dark depths of Marquez hell again. You know, another time, it's it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if he needs the money anymore. You always hear the rumors, but still viable like this isn't his sell- this is weird it's not him selling his name here he's actually a viable welterweight contender where if he wins this it's like good lord is he gonna fight Spence next who knows you know is he but gonna isn't fight- he isn't he a senator or something in the Philippines yes. I don't know how he works that out where he so can- does he
2: really need the money is not he not like embezzling uh, funds in the Philippines Come on,
0: he has a high expenses in the hundreds of people that he supposedly brings with him in his extended entourage and takes care of them and I don't know what he does I can't comment on that but the SOC We'll give you what you want. Uh, Shout out to the folks at Ballsy, Adam. I got a nice care package in the mail from the folks at Ballsy. I'm talking about nut rub, sack spray, and ball wash (laughs) to keep them things clean during this swamp ass summer. So while I'm in Vegas, this I don't want swamp ass in Vegas this week coming up. So I will be using those products like crazy, brother. Why
2: why are you? You're getting that, and I'm not. I'm in Florida.
0: You could use a little bit of uh, of of sack spray, Adam. Probably. I don't. Really- I, I
2: absolutely could. And, and since we're giving shout outs, shout out to Solo and Hex and Push, which sent me a couple backpacks. The Solo backpack, no joke, it's replacing my CBS Sports backpack that oh, I use wow. all the time to carry my laptop and stuff. It's legit. So look at this look, merch if we if we're shilling, if we're shilling at the end of the show, I need to give a shout out to Solo, really really high quality backpack great product.
0: And shout out to my new venture on Showtime, our our partner uh, uh, with CBS uh, Below the Bell, uh, of course with Brendan Schaub under his banner, a weekly combat sports show with Luke Thomas and myself called Morning Combat every Monday at noon, streaming live on YouTube. You can check that out. Um,
2: and all, and also shout out to no, I'm
0: just kidding. Uh, you, you know, I, don't
2: have, I don't have, a show.
0: Uh, well, you got this show. State of Comedy. coming into your, your oh, That's it. That's all I got. All right, the show's over. The interview's over. Um, yeah. All right. Okay, you know, say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. It's rough, right? Yeah, it, it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. Adam, you got any message for the people?
2: Just uh, two words. We yeah.
0: out. Yeah.